Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. From Riverwalk Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Cube, the Cube, the Cube, the Cube, the Cube. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 84 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer podcast. And I am your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. Brendan, we've been on the road, brother. We have, separately, yes. <laughs> yes. So we're going to talk about our road adventures. You're going to talk to us about Dragonfall. Yep. And I'm going to talk to us about RockCon. Mm-hmm. And what we did at those, I think we'll be sharing some fun stories and very different events, obviously, which hopefully will be of interest. And it's pretty packed in whispers, Brendan. There was a lot of stuff. Yeah, we had Warhammer oh. Day on Saturday, so oh, man. there's a few things that's previewed. <laughs> yeah, and then there's a bunch of pre-orders and all kinds of other stuff. We finally have some stuff in new releases in Scriptorium, which is great that they're finally waking up a little bit. And then other stuffs. So let's move on and let's talk about Whispers from the War. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Brendan, your hobby in the last couple weeks? Really hasn't been too much. I was trying to do some painting of my cruel boys, Mm -hmm. you know, to try and get them ready for Havoc. Ultimately, I don't think they're going to be ready for Havoc. Okay. So they're probably not coming with me. But other than that, it's not been very much. Just painting some guys with bows, painting guys on vultures. (laughs) Okay. Painting bases. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I got 10 of my wolves painted. Finally. For your soul blade. And at first I had this picture, and of course I'm thinking Fenrisian wolves, you know, with gray and white and all that. And it was like, wait a minute, these are dye wolves. They're dead. I can't paint them like they can be white and gray. They could, of course. But I kind of then changed my color scheme. So there's kind of a reddish, purplish color to them and a lot of dry brushing of the fur and stuff like that. I put a little bit of dark gray on them. Mm-hmm. But they turn out okay. I think they'll be all right. I got another 10 to do, maybe more, after I talk about something that was a minor thing the main thing this last couple of weeks is finishing my antler project which i finally got I done saw. do they look pretty they good they do look nice they don't look like plaster not anymore okay listeners i think you most of you are aware that my you're, guy, you're a little off schedule but my, yeah. yeah my guy nick months ago really had a problem with a game warden and he had a really nice rack off of a deer that he had shot and he had the wrong tag so the game warden confiscated this beautiful rack and before he you know nick kind of begged him off and said hey can i just keep these for like an extra week and he made a plaster cast of these things he'd never done it before what i got as his hobby guy he says can you do anything with this for me bears i'm like i don't know him and it there was just all this flashing and everything all over the place and it was like a dozen parts well months later i finally finished brendan you've Mm. seen the result and they look pretty good yeah i I think think so and the real thing now is i've got to talk to him about how he wants to mount it he got one of those plastic skulls so do kind of a european mount but i don't know if that's what's going to look best so he and i are going to talk about that next week and then that'll be finished but that was a lot of work and a lot of time still to get all that finished but it it really turned out nice and the other thing was because it's plaster a couple of times i just tapped one of the ends of the antlers and it kind of snapped off so i had to do like half a dozen pins on pieces that came off so that was really cool and it, but it turned out so well and it was really a neat thing to do for him so that was a great project and then and we'll talk about this a little more you know talking about rock con but i actually built 
20 Infinity models. Wow. Infinity Code 1 models. And everybody's like, whoa, whoa, what's this Infinity stuff? I mean, it's a Warhammer podcast, yes, but we do talk about other things. Sometimes. So I had these boxes since last year sitting around and something kind of triggered the activity. And so 20 metal models. And it was interesting, Brendan, because it had been a while since I'd done any metal models. I don't miss building metal models. And, you know, hobby experience taught me that before I started, I had to mentally prepare to just be really, really patient with drying because obviously it doesn't interact. Super glue doesn't interact with the metal as it does with plastic. So that really was the main issue. I had to just let stuff dry for four or five hours before I could put that next piece on or something on a base or whatever it was, because otherwise it just didn't stick. Now, I know before I had talked about with resin, I've used uh, fingernail glue and that works really well. I just didn't have any and I didn't want to go out and get any. So that's another thing I did. So I've been pretty busy last couple of weeks with hobby stuff. Yeah, certainly. And not a whole lot of it Sigmar, but still hobby is hobby. So yeah, that's been really cool, and we'll see what happens with the Infinity stuff, but we may report out more on that later. Great. All right. So that's Hobby. I wanted to remind everybody that uh, Army Painter airbrushes are out now. So if you want those, there are two sets. There's a starter set, and then there's a big kahuna set. So if you're interested in those things, they are available to order. And then in the late winter, they're going to have their equivalent or whatever of the contrast paints. And we'll see how those all work out. So, Brendan, we had a big, it was actually kind of long preview on Saturday. Mm -hmm. It seemed longer than the others. Yeah, I don't think they showed anything more, though. I think there was just more general lead up time. Like it kicked off at 7 a.m. for us. And then they really didn't get going until like 7.20 yeah. And to me, it seemed like a lot of filler kind of compared to some of the other stuff they've done. But what we do know is we're not going to be hearing from Father Christmas this year. We're going to be hearing from Grandfather Nurgle. Mm-hmm. It seems so Nurgle in December. And if I recall right, dragons, yes, in December. Dragons in December. For sure on the big dragons. They didn't say anything about the little dragons. Mm-hmm. But the big dragons in December... And then the Nurgle Battle Tome sometime in December provided uh, supply chain. Yeah, of course. Remains stable. I almost wonder if that's not something they've kind of built in with that time instead of doing it now or November. Yeah, because I think we were supposed to have it like in October originally. So I think maybe they're they're kind of building some room in there for that, which is fine. I'm a little bit disappointed for the Beastie Boys. Unfortunately, I know a lot of people were hopeful that they would get something. But hey, Nurgle needs it bad too. That's uh, an ancient Battle Tome. It's the oldest. Age of Sigmar Battle Tome. It was the first of the kind of 2.0 writing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was released before 2.0, but it was written with 2.0 in mind. They've been through the ringer, and so that book came out in 2022, or sorry, 2018, and it'll be out just before 2022. So it's been almost four years. In this hobby, it's a long, long time. Yeah. That was really wonderful to hear and see that. Um, we got a 40k battle box with Custodes and Steeler Colts, which to me says we are going to get yeah codexes for both. There was some dungeon bowl stuff, like basically blood bowl in a dungeon. Mm-hmm. Eh, man, I, okay. The dungeon bowl is very different. It's more of an acquired taste to the regular game. It can be interesting because it basically is teams that are mixed. So they have players from all different teams that combine for a very specific kind of play style as opposed to teams being built out specifically along a specific kind of like 
Faction okay. or something like that. So There's a new War Cry box with two war bands. There's terrain. There's other stuff. Which went up for pre-order the next day. I'm going to complain a little bit. Yeah. Why preview that? Why? Just, if you're going to, I don't know, it felt like kind of a waste of time in the preview because you're like, oh, you know, like it's going to be something that's coming, you know, down the road. And then the next day, the Sunday preview, it comes out and it's available for pre-order next Saturday is, you know, the Red Harvest. Like, well, then just say it in the show. Like, it's such a small thing to be, like, weirdly upset about. But it's just, they build Warhammer Day as this big, like, preview thing. Mm -hmm. You know, here's the stuff, you know, coming down the road. And I figure, you know, like, the December stuff is the earliest, quote-unquote, that you're going to really get any of it. No, it's tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. It just, the preview felt a little stuffed. It just felt kind of like, like they we were looking for it. stuff. Yeah. 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 It, it just trying to make it a big show, you know, and yeah, whatever. So we got the Hero Deep, the Ogre Pirate. That was pretty cool. That was neat. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was cool to see and the little buddies he had. The con. I'm so happy, in particular for our friend Keith, who was building a White Scar's Heresy Army. But yeah. the fact that we finally got the last Primark, we got the con. Yeah. And, and Heath is an incredible painter. He's the guy that does the Brew oh. City tables. It's going to look incredible. Like It's a model that even he's a little bit scared of, which... (laughs) Says uh, something. So historically, that means it's going to be an incredibly well-painted model. He's just going to be afraid the whole time. Yes, but it'll turn out beautifully. No doubt about it. I agree. I'm interested to see where they go next, right? You know, because they said, you know, more is coming, right? Do they dare go the direction of releasing an emperor model? Or Malkador? Yeah, Malkador. You know, do you dip into doing the demon primarchs even though you're kind of already mm-hmm. doing that on the 40k side you know is there a 30k version of that that you're going to do what of the minor heroes that you haven't done yet are you going to mm-hmm. do are you going to go back and redo some of the older primarchs because like i'm a big fan of angron i have an angron yeah, sure. heresy model that i've been meaning to paint for like a really long time sure and like when it came out it was an incredible super cool model mm-hmm. awesome fantastic yeah I look at like the last five and I just go, uh, they're so much better. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, for sure. Because like, I think Angron came out like when I was in high school That's still. A, like, a zillion years ago. Yeah. yeah it, it's been a minute. In that span of time, just the ability of the artist to sculpt, mm. you know, these models in more detailed and complex and beautiful ways has just evolved. Yes. So like, that's something I'm rooting for a little bit, you know. It's part of their business where they do spend a lot of time to make things like really pristine and nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm interested to see, you know, the what the energy that they put into some of the other stuff looks like. Sure. I do like the timing for this because of the release of Warhawk, which is great. Yeah, that was of everything. That is something I was most excited about and and particularly for our friend. There's rumors of a Tau Dex in addition to the other two, the Custodies and the Steelers. Yeah, but that Uh, wasn't in the preview, though. No, but there's been a lot of talk about the Tau Dex and some other things that have come out that kind of, there's a Kill Team expansion for Tau, and there's talk of that as well. We talked about dragons already so pre-orders there is a bunch of stuff man we know red harvest we talked about that already we have a kill team expansion which is pretty much tau we have plastic thunderhawks and before people get excited they're really little 
Very, very needle. Because they're for Aeronautica. Right. So not that kind of plastic Thunderhawk. Adeptus Titanicus, if you're into such, there's a new book, Trader Legions, and they are releasing an Iconoclast, Warmaster Titan, which is really cool. Very much a part of the lore. Uh, there's transfers and other stuff that go with that. They're releasing a whole line, re-releasing really a whole line of hobby tools. So some of these hobby tools, and there's yes. one in particular that I want to talk about, because oh, I want to ask you the question okay. that has been bothering bothering me. Okay. They have these painting handle adapters. Yes. Right. And so some of them I think are very useful and practical, Mm -hmm. especially for, you know, some folks where the tinier solutions that some people have doesn't work with their hands. So the, uh, the adaptations that they've had for like holding, you know, weapons and now heads and like other small bits, I think are really cool. And I think are Mm -hmm. really useful. The question I have, they made a larger one, you know, a little while ago to hold things like dreadnought size. And that one I kind of looked at and I was like, And I've used it a couple of times. I looked at that bigger one and I was like, okay, you know, maybe, I guess. Well, they made a super adapter that can hold like the base of a Mega Gargant, which for those of you who are uninitiated are roughly a foot tall. Their bases are smaller dinner plates. You know, they're like your kind of like your side plates. Mm -hmm. Who is this for? And did you see the shape? Like, it comes down to like a two millimeter stem. I'm like, if I put a gargant on that, that stem's going to break. Who is this for? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just like blue tack it to a soup can at that point. Like, what are we doing? I just... What is this? I hold my gargant base. Every time I painted a gargant, hold the base. I never even thought about using anything else. I didn't need to. I just grab it with some pliers. Yeah. What are we doing here? What is this product? Yeah, it made no sense. I agree. The other one I got a good chuckle out of is the spray handle. Yes. But it's on a like a rotor and it's you pull like a trigger and like it spins it some amount. So the paint's flying all over the place. That's what I was thinking. So you'll let the paint you, dry. You would never spin it fast that. enough. <laughs> it's not, I don't think it's motorized like that. The, for anybody who remembers the phase of painting that was really popular called dipping, yeah. where you would buy these yeah. big cans of shade mm-hmm. and you would put your model literally. An army the, painter was the people who did that, yeah. You would put your model on the end of very literally a power tool. You would dunk your painted model, you know, and it wouldn't be too complicated. You'd dunk it in the shade and in your bathtub, if you really wanted to piss off your wife or girlfriend or significant other of whatever variety, and you'd spin it in the bathtub and you would end up coating your bathtub with just shade. (laughs) That is just what this reminds me of, though. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. But, like, you know, the handle is, you know, yes. it looks like, you know, 18 inches long kind it's of a huge. thing. So yeah. I imagine you having to buy, like, an oil drum worth of shade. <laughs> so you put it in. <laughs> so you dunk it down, and then in your hazmat suit, you... Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we think about those things. And that, Now, to be fair, that one, to me, felt a lot more useful yeah. than solving a problem for something that I can't even picture... Yeah. Who went up to corporate and went, this is an untapped market here that we've got going. <laughs> People are really complaining about the inability to hold absolutely enormous models. Yeah. And then like marketing went, go on. <laughs> yeah, that's what they would do. Let me take notes. Oh, God. 
Okay, let's let's keep going with the pre-orders because there's a bunch of stuff here. So we have Middle Earth, Fall of the Necromancer. There's a whole series of stuff. If you watched the, I think it was the third movie of The Hobbit, that's mm. when they had all the Necromancer stuff in it. So you're going to get all those characters and other thingies. We talked about Red Harvest, Warzone Octarius, which is a book that kind of goes with the Kill Team piece to fill that out. You have a Crusade mission pack called Catastrophe. So again, more for that narrative side. It looks like the Sisters of Battle have had a comic series from Marvel. They're getting another one. There's a Necromunda weapon sprue. It looks pretty cool. And then House Cotor is one of the Necromunda gangs. And they're getting some weird, bizarre beast thing that they can ride and some other models. There's a Corn Blood Bowl team I saw. Looks yeah. pretty interesting. Look nice. That's it. But there's a lot of stuff pre-ordered. Just a few. Yeah. All right. So, moving on, games played. So, Brendan, I'm such a happy camper because I have complained the last couple episodes about this game. I played Old World and not being able to ever get first place. Always coming in second, you know. Oh, no. (laughs) I finally won the game. Coolio. What I did was I kind of sacrificed everything so that I could span really quickly. I didn't care what was going on in my cities or revolts or anything. I just took my army and just started grabbing everything I could grab. There were a couple of civilizations that were really struggling. Well, they struggled no more because they didn't exist. (laughs) I took out their two cities and those were mine now. And then I kind of consolidated. I kept the diplomacy piece up, which is really important. So nobody attacked me that game, which was huge. Then I could bring back a lot of my troops and I could handle all the things I needed to handle. But that's what it took, was just being hyper-aggressive. Sure. But, hey, I'm done with that game for a while now that I've (laughs) placed first. But it was really fun to get to that and uh, win that. That's really other than Sigmar. I've just been doing a lot of hobby and listening to books and stuff. How about you, other than Sigmar? You mean other than Dragonfall? Other other than Uh, Dragonfall, yeah. So, really nothing. It has just been trying to get things to a point painted-wise that I'm happy with. I've had a lot of work things I've also had to do, and I was sick last week for a period of time where I was largely incapacitated. Just didn't have time, and been out of town this last weekend, and you know we've got another event coming up. So, guys, I promise I'm not leaving the game. I like I'm just (laughs) no, we're doing. I'm I'm just doing other stuff right now. Yeah, that's okay. That's fine, man. That's what happens sometimes. One thing I will say though is I am going to be on the Diascast YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. They do battle reports where they have. The player commentary, they show you the whole game and they speed up from a top-down perspective, you know, as you're moving and doing smaller stuff, but they have the player commentary over the top. Uh, so these are the guys that are that I met playing out in West Bend. Yeah, I think it was West okay. Bend. They invited me on to play and, you know, I'll figure out what army they want Perfect. me to, to play on the show. But I promise that I do play games and you'll actually be able to see one. So we're recording that in a couple of weekends. Okay. So and you're going to play which army? I don't know. You don't know yet. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know if they want me to play something specifically or, okay. you know, this, that or the other. You'll have but to let me know. I'd like to make sure I see that. Cool expect enough. to see that in a couple of weeks. Awesome. All right, so that's other than Sigmar. Yeah. And uh, events. You have Holy Havoc coming up in just a few days. Yep, so we got <laughs> All Havoc. All of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, Havoc coming up in this coming weekend. The show might be out before it. For At sure. the time of recording, there are still spaces, so if you are a last-minute planner, you can still sign up. Mm-hmm. There is that. Then Adepticon... I've been asked to start writing the pack for Age of Sigmar. Yeah. I don't know when it's going to be released, but I am working on it. Okay. Uh, for those Great. interested, it, it's not going to be my normal kind of Bruce City shenanigans. You know, this mm-hmm. is an event that historically has a lot of players in it. I 
am of the mind that the larger the event is, the more vanilla the event should be run, just as a matter of trying to encapsulate expectations for all persons. The smaller the event is, the weirder I think it can get. Sure. Customize. Then, before we get to your stuff, Renegade in Minneapolis is on the 20th and 21st of November. Okay. That's coming up as well. I will not be in attendance because that is a lot of weekends to be doing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But also, I'll be at the Purdue at Northwestern game in Wrigley on the 20th. Well, that's what matters. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that's where I'll be. And then obviously you have Thanksgiving coming up after that. Yeah. And then you have the New Orleans Open, which is in yeah. December. Yeah. The same guys who run LVO mm-hmm. are kind of expanding into the south here. They're heading down to New Orleans. And that's going to be, I don't know the dates, but I think it was the second weekend in December, if I'm right. Okay. So and, the 11th and 12th. And it's going to be all kinds of champs. 40K champs, Sigmar champs. There's like six or seven different events that you can sign up for. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. I'm sure it's not going to scale quite as LVO does because this is a brand new thing for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's interesting that they are expanding into other geographical parts of the country with something like this. I wish them luck. I hope it goes well and I hope everybody has a great time at it. And I think for events, that is kind of it. We're still waiting to hear. Yeah. So one more thing on here. Ragnarok, I was in contact with Bryce this week. Okay. Yes. Uh, because at Dragonfall, I was asked a lot about... Yep. What is going on? Well, we have asked on the show, and it's like, we right. just don't know. So people were coming up to me asking me if I knew anything about it. And unfortunately, I was, you know, I was like, no, Fine. I'm not Bryce. Like, I was like, but I do play in D&D with him every other week, so maybe. Yeah. Uh, him and I exchanged some messages this week about it. He is expecting to do updates here very shortly. When I have them, I will share them. I will share them from my personal Twitter account. We'll share them on the show. Mm-hmm. I'll make sure it's shared through the podcast twitter account if that's the Mm -hmm. thing that you follow all like 70 of you i don't know what the overlap is on people who only follow that so in any case i am expecting news from him soon it sounds like you know we are doing stuff it's just a matter of you know he's got to share with us what the reality of that is that's fine great yeah thank you for that well it's more than we had True. We know there's movement there, and that's great. So hopefully by the next show, we can maybe share something else, mm-hmm. which would be great. All right. So that is a, kind of long whispers. That's good. Lots of stuff. That's okay. It's a short Emperor Lies. Yeah, it's true. All right. So let's move on to Emperor Lies. We are going to hit the road at Dragonfall and at RockCon, Brendan. I mean, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. So, Brendan, Dragonfall. Talk to us overall about what it is, what you saw, you know, going into your games and the venue and those kind of things. Yeah. Dragonfall, this is the fourth year of it. And historically, it's been in and around the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Mm-hmm. This year was the first year it moved up to the Lake Geneva area. And it had been growing steadily over the years and then COVID hit. And. Mike Loggers, the guy who runs Dragonfall as the con at large, mm-hmm. you know, he's been looking to make this the kind of fall destination convention for wargaming folks. He's been really looking to find a venue partner that fits kind of that goal and vision. They run a sizable charity arm to the event as kind of one of the main components, just like Adepticon does. Then they also run events at Dragonfall, right? You know, there are gaming events, right? That's why I'm going. So there's 40k singles, there's Age of Sigmar singles, they have some video game stuff, they had some, I think it was Kings of War. They had other events that didn't reach the person capacity to be able to run 
I know they ran into some issues post COVID in terms of like being able to get the numbers back up to where they were. And the other thing was they required proof of vaccine. Okay. Masks were optional from that point. You know, they were encouraged. You didn't have to, but everybody coming into the building had to either show their vaccination card or if they fell under a medical or religious exemption. They had to apply for that on the front end. Okay. But um, they were able to do that through the event. Through the events. Okay. I know the dispensation of those were relatively limited, mm-hmm. but there was an avenue okay, to good. that. Okay, good. You know, there was that uh, requirement. So one of the things this year was that the people running the different events got to choose what charity through the Dragonfall charity was donated to. Nice. I know on the Age of Sigmar side, I believe it was the American Cancer Society because Mark, the tournament organizer, is a cancer survivor. Great. So that was what he was interested in Perfect. having the event donate to. It was held at the Grand Geneva Resorts Convention Center. Super, super nice venue. Yeah. I did not stay on site because as part of like the resort, you had to stay there for, you had to be there for two nights to be able to sign mm-hmm. up. Or at least when I tried to sign up, that was the case. I don't know if that was the case for everybody, but it's also kind of like in our backyard. It's like an hour and change away from us. Sure. If I didn't have to stay two nights, I probably would have stayed just Saturday. Mm-hmm. Really nice space, you know, just really a lot of room. There was just a lot of stuff. So there were two major downsides to that particular venue. One, the parking. There wasn't a lot right by where the event was, Mm -hmm. but on the overall resort site, there was a lot of parking. There was some planning that had to occur if you didn't get there early enough to park in the places. Like There were trolleys and things that take you to that location from the other locations. So there were things there, but because this is the first year at this new venue, you know, there were some items that I don't think all of us fully appreciated in terms of what the requirements on it were going to be. I get to places super early just all the time by nature. Yeah. So thankfully, I didn't run into any of it, but I know that there were a number of folks who uh, encountered some issues with timeliness as a result of like, <laughs> oh, you know, there's not much here. The other bit was there wasn't a ton of food places around. So like it took us a good while to try and figure out dinner on Saturday. You know, because one of the things that we all like to do is once game three ends, you know, we get up into our little pockets of people and go places and, you know, sit down and talk about all of our games and stuff like that. You know, we tried a couple of places and at one point we just kind of put our hands up in the air and, and those of us that were staying off site said, screw it, you know, we're going, you know, near where our hotel is, you yeah, know, sure. just, just across the Illinois border. Yeah. We're going to figure out to eat there and other people went in different directions and things like that. And so I know in future years, you know, we'll kind of plan around that. I know that you know, just with some experience, like we'll figure out where the places to and not to go are. But it was kind of weird because Lake Geneva is like this touristy area I would have thought that there would have been like enough restaurants and stuff like that where you could go sit down and have a dinner and and those kinds of things. And there but, aren't a lot of those. Right. And that's not Dragon's Fall's fault that there's not a ton there because at the hotel, there was like four weddings that weekend. Oh, and, God. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> okay. the hotel was full. Sure. The restaurants at the hotel were full. That's kind of the overarching part of it. I know Mike is looking to grow the event back up. I know they're locked into that space for another two or three years, I believe. Yeah. It sounds like 
you know, from an organizing standpoint that they're good partners. It sounds like that they were actually getting some portion of the food and beverage sales as charitable donations to the foundation, okay. which is really cool. All right. That's not something I've necessarily seen before. So it's really neat that they were able to kind of lock that part of it in. Okay. So cool. Yeah. I'm excited for him. I think it's an event that I've been to every year that it's been a thing. So last four or five years. Then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Great. And then you had RockCon, which I've been going to for 10 plus years. It was it was my first convention venue that I ever attended uh, as a miniatures war gamer. And it was, you know, in the days when that local group here, uh, D Company, had their own corner of the venue. It was in a big arena. It was just great. And it always has been great because there's just such an eclectic mix of events and things that go on, which is what makes it really fun. Uh, I think a lot of people who we both know who play Sigmar would be kind of shocked. And I, I just want to bring this up because demographically, you walk in there and you're like, oh my God, like everybody's as old as my grandfather, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's just, I would say that the average age. Well, if they're as old probably, as your grandfather, <laughs> yeah. then. Well, I'm talking about other people. Oh. But it's just, it's a much older, you know, more mature group of people who follow the the main things that are here, like historical miniatures and things like that. There are certainly a fair amount of young people playing different things, which is nice. You see that next gen coming up and really interested. You see these little kids or teenagers moving these Napoleonic or Civil War miniatures around, and it's really fun to see that. But overall, you get a little older group, a little more mature group. Overall, the venue is a little quieter, <laughs> but it's there's still a lot going on, you know, a lot of conversation and everything. It's moved recently. I think this is the third year. It's been at a place called the Tabala Center in Rockford. And it's run by the Shriners, okay. uh, who are well known for their charity work with children. And it's and Fourth of July parades. And Fourth of July parades. It's interesting to walk through the halls and see pictures of all these guys with their fezes on. You know, it's kind of it's just kind of interesting. One thing that's nice though is they do have a kitchen there, so it's not great food, but it's food that's available mm-hmm. and it's it's good for the money it's good quality you don't have to go off site to get breakfast they even have breakfast sandwiches and lunch they do dinner they have an open bar there which is really cool they have all the stuff in the building you don't need to run off site to grab things and the lady who runs it antina i've known her for many 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 years she always does a wonderful job she's always very gracious and she's actually one of the minions at adepticon you'd see her there helping out every year. So that was great to see her again after that break last year. And they have, you know, the silent auction that's going on. The other thing they have is on Sunday morning, which is really interesting. People just give a whole bunch of stuff. Like Elric's Hobbies had like 200 packs of bases. They were just laying around. You just had to walk by and pick them up if you wanted them. Sure. And on Saturday morning, everything that hasn't been given away at some raffle or whatever it is, they have three tables. And everybody gets in the line, 10 o'clock. There's like 50 people in line and you can pick one thing off of each table that you want. Go to the end of the line, you come around again. And it's like, (laughs) it's really fun though. Just little things like that that make it different and special. And Pathfinder that I played for most of the weekend is something that's relatively new. It hasn't been there for a long time, maybe the last four or five years. They didn't have Starfinder, but Pathfinder still had a really good presence. And I was really great to, you know, happy to see that after this past year. I'm glad they, they really had a nice recovery. And we'll talk about that more. But it's just very relaxed. There are just so many different things that you can do. One of the things, though, is there's a lot of home brew stuff, Brendan, that's really cool. This one guy used foam to 
literally create the inside of a giant submarine and there was a game he had made and you saw all these civilians moving around in these different levels and it was all 3d and you're just like wow what an imagination that he put this thing together and there were lights in there it's just like wow how do you come up with that and it was cool it's something you usually won't see at a gaming convention is things like that that's always really fun so that's kind of RockCon. And what we want to do, listeners, now is kind of talk through... Brendan had five games. Mm-hmm. I had five adventures uh, on... You know, I played Pathfinder, as I said before. Two on Friday and three on Saturday. So we're going to kind of talk you through those. And Brendan, why don't we start with your first game at Dragonfall? Sure. So I drove in Saturday morning and nice, bright, and early. Found a parking spot. I got super lucky. Like, mine was, like, right by the door. Perfect. Awesome. But the first game was against uh, Aaron Schmidt out of Chicago. Mm. Aaron and I go to a lot of the same events, but we typically find ourselves on very different table numbers as the event goes on. Okay. So he is playing as Nurgle. He's playing the Munificent Wanderers. Oh, nice. Yeah. You know, so that's the sub-faction that reduces your end by one. They've got the command trait that now after the FAQ on ones to hit, you do mortal wounds back to yourself. I was playing... A Slaves of Darkness, host of the Everchosen, six circle, primarily corn army. So I had Archeon marked corn with Binding Damnation, which is the fight's last spell. I had a Chaos Lord on foot marked corn, who I gave the mm. Arcane Tome and had gave him the teleport spell. I had a Sorcerer Lord on foot marked Zinch, because you can't mark him to corn, mm-hmm. and gave him the teleport spell as well. Then I had. A unit of 20 Marauders, two units of Untamed Beasts, and two units of three Varengard with the Demon Weapons. Mm-hmm. And I had the Eightfold Doom Sigil spell, which I'll just say on the front end, in the future, I'd just drop. It didn't do anything for me all weekend. Okay. I'd much rather have had the Triumph overall. It's 50 points. But all of that fits into Battle Regiment, so I'm at a one-drop. And basically the premise of the army is... My whole army largely is twos to hit, twos to wound, re-rolling ones to hit at a minimum, and in many cases, re-rolling ones to hit and wound on the select target I want, trying to get everything as I can, fighting as many times as I can. Yeah, so that's the goal, right? The Sorcerer Lord is there to give plus one save to Archeon with Oracular Visions, and then getting Archeon to re-rolling all hits and wounds with their base spell trying to get Archeon Mystic Shielded, so I'm plus two to my save, and just shucking him in wildly into, you know, whatever I can, using the Chaos Lord to follow up behind, using the Pion and fight twice command ability, and then just leaning on the Varen Guard to clean up the other stuff as well. Sure. So, that being said, my first opponent, we play First Blood. It's uh, three objectives at an angle. It's a hold one, hold two, hold more kind of mission. He's got a Great Unclean One, he's got a Rotbringer Sorcerer, he's got a Lord of Afflictions, he's got a Sloppity, he's got a Herald, and he's got a um, Scrivener. Oh god, he's got all the... Yeah, he's got all the heroes. He's got a 30 brick... <laughs> he's got the whole band. <laughs> yeah, 30 brick of Plague Bearers, 10 brick of Plague Bearers, 10 brick of Plague Bearers, and 2 by 3 drones. This was a list that I'm very happy to see. I'm not super concerned with the re-rolling of ones. Oh, the other important thing is being 6 circle... My Varengard are plus one damage on the charge. So That's so sick. Oh, God. So because I'm re-rolling the ones to hit from being corn and having a hero nearby for the most part, yes. the ability to trigger mortal wounds back to me is very rare to trigger. Okay. Right? Just by the nature of it. I let him go first. He moves up relatively aggressively onto the objectives. 
I roll my secret Archeon dice to find out who's getting the double turn. I'm getting the double turn. So I throw just as much as I can into his army, knowing that I'm going to get to go again. Archeon ended up being too far away. He didn't land a charge. A lot of stuff didn't end up making it in, but I got a unit of three Varengard in, just wholly within 18 inches of Archeon, making them twos by twos, rerolling ones to hit and wound versus the Brick of 30 Plague Bearers. They pile on the first time and fight and kill 16 of them. I was like, that's pretty good. I had managed to teleport my unit of Marauders to the left to go fight a 10-man, and Marauders are dumb because they turn the lowest dice on a charge roll into a six, and they naturally get plus one to the charge from having a banner. So as long as I don't roll snake eyes, I make my charge. So they do. I pin in the 10, and he fights back you know, with the 10 and kills like two Marauders or something. So I lose the rend on the Marauders, and I go, okay, cool. I pile in and fight the second time with the Varengard, who on their war score are allowed to do that once per battle for free, and kill the rest of the 30 Plague Bears. And he looks at me and goes... I was not expecting you to get through that so fast. And I went, honestly, I wasn't either. Uh, <laughs> I, I was expecting to be here a little bit longer. So I, you know, reveal that I have the double. In turn two, I kill basically everything except for the Lord of Afflictions and the two plague drones. The two units of three plague drones. Jeez. He charges into Archeon to try and do some damage. He does a little bit, but not enough. And then I remove the Lord of Afflictions. I remove three of the drones mm-hmm. and, you know. Game over. We shake. You know, we talk through what the rest of the game was and, and sure. all that kind of stuff. But just, it was nice to play Aaron because I see him all the time. We talk all the time. We go to all the same events. He's the one that has those kind of like a maggoty Nurgle guys. If you've seen him at events, they're really well painted. Mm-hmm. They're all like hand converted and everything. Beautiful. Just incredible. But... In a mission like that, I wanted to see a combat army that wanted to fight in the middle. I had the advantage of speed, so I was going to be able to kind of dictate where and when everything occurred. Okay. Game one, a bazillion points. Let's go. Nice. Excellent, man. Great start. Yeah, I would say so. Wow. Boom, boom. All right. So day one, I played two one-shots. They were both run by... My friend Cody, he just does a great job. He's such a great DM in that he wants to make it challenging, but I think his first priority is just to make it fun. And he does that. So it was called Snakes in the Grass. And these two are basically the Pathfinder Society, which is the group, kind of the organization, you know, in the world that goes out and does things to help humanity and that kind of thing. So we got a note that there was a hobgoblin tribe that wanted to allow somebody to run a mine for them. Okay. Okay. It was like, oh, okay. So we were sent as a negotiating team because somebody from the Apsis group, we know they're kind of the nemesis now. So we had to negotiate and convince the hobgoblins of who were going to do this best. So we got on with it. We got to the camp where the hobgoblins were. We talked to the hobgoblin chief. And what we found out from our investigations, and a lot of this was investigating, is that Apsis had slaughtered a kobold tribe who were actually running this mine. We had to somehow prove it wasn't enough that we knew they'd done it we had to prove it to the Mm. hobgoblin chief so there were just a lot of different things because basically they wanted to steal the mining operation and so we found out where the mine was and we got taken down into the mine the first thing when we got into mine a bulet attacked us and for those who don't know what bulets are they're like bigger than the bear they have like a bullet head they dig underground they're huge creatures nobody else was prepared 
but I was, and I'm playing a paladin, but he's not real punchy. He's more of a field medic, healer kind of guy. So I went in, I took 30 out of my 40 hit points in just that first set of attacks from him. He just beat the crap out of me. Sure. So I'm like, okay, look, I got to pull back. Gang. At that point, they were ready. So I pulled back, I healed myself and stuff. They killed... And they found these little like test tubes full of some kind of green liquid. They couldn't figure out what it was. Well, it turned out that the kobolds were using this liquid to control the bulettes and they were doing the digging for them. Well, Apsis was getting a hold of these things now. And that's why they had killed the kobolds because they realized this is how they were getting them to dig for them and mm-hmm. why the mine was so good. We went back out again and there was a tent that had been set out for the Apsis kind of team and we needed to get in there because there was something in there that we needed to find we find out so there was a hobgoblin guarding the tent i went over there and i'm trying to do something role-playing you know and i'm like you're supposed to guard this tent for abscess he goes yeah they paid me one silver piece to guard it i go well you know what our tent over there we need a guard too and i'll pay you three silver the hobgoblin was all excited he just ran over there i handed him three silver pieces he saw us go into the apsis tent he didn't do a thing (laughs) so i got like an extra hero point for doing that that was kind of cool turns out there was a trap door inside their their tent we went down inside of it and we fought the apsis people you know most of them and killed them and there was an office and there was a log book that had everything all the records of everything eventually we got that back to the hobgoblin chief he had all the apsis people killed it wasn't even like a trial or anything because he read this book Mm. mission accomplished very cool and i didn't drop at all and of course i had a model if i had dropped you see now i've got my alternate model but that was really cool so that was it was called snakes in the grass and it was really kind of a cool opening it was more like a murder mystery kind of a thing where we had to investigate more than we had to fight and i love those kind of role-playing games and those kind of scenarios rather than just beat stick stuff sure so and it was a really interesting mix of people we had in the group and just a lot of fun so that was Friday afternoon for me. Yeah, game one. How about game two for you? Game two, I had a back-to-back Aaron offs. So my game two was against Aaron Malone out of the Madison area. Okay. He was playing his Mega Gargants. He was playing a Breaker Tribe. So that's the one if you're Gate Breakers, you're General. Okay, now how many Gargants did he have? He's got three Megas. So the list was two Mega Gargants that were... Gatebreakers, one that was a Kraken Eater, one of the Gatebreakers was the general, and you got plus one to hit if the opponent was like a, a wizard or a monster or something like that, which a fair few of my things were. One of them had the Amulet of Destiny. Of course. The other one, that, <laughs> the other one had the Arcane Tome because yeah. he has the bridge spell because he wants to teleport them and then try and roll a long charge and... You know, try and charge in from places. The, is sh- it an end of the spell? The bridge at the yeah. end of the spell? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yep. Okay. So he has those, and then he's got two little megas. Okay, sure. You mean the man-eater guys? The man- yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Little, little giants, Minis. baby giants. Yep. So this is power and numbers, so it's two objectives at the edge of each of our territory, and then one in the middle. And this is, or no, this is power struggle, sorry. So this is you have to hold it for a number of turns consecutively to do the scoring. Yes. So you have to hold it for at least two turns to get points for it. On his right, he puts the two Gatebreakers and one of the Man Crushers. And on his left, he puts the Kraken Eater and one of the Man Crushers, which from a deployment perspective, I was very happy about. Mm -hmm. It's not that I love the Giants matchup, but it's not one that I don't like. It's kind of a middle of the road one. Okay. I want to be able to fight them as individually as possible. Yes. Segment their power and eventually get to a tipping point snowball. So by setting them up separate... 
I was able to do that. Okay. So he kicks his objective on his left towards the center, walks over to the middle objective with the Kraken Eater, holds the, what is, you know, technically the back left one with a man crusher, but they're basically in the right place. And then he runs the two gate breakers out to his right. So I get to my turn because I'm a one drop. So I out deployed him, made him go first. I rolled my, you know, who's going first, you know, in the second battle round dice. I'm not getting the double turn. Okay. That's okay. What I do is I take my untamed beasts on the left and I screen them out to prevent them from getting to Archeon in the second turn. Sure. In the first turn, though, I send Archeon and I go smack the Kraken Eater to death and I send the Varengard up the right to eventually go take care of the Mega of, against the Man Crusher. He goes. I have spaced out my untamed beasts in a way that he cannot get past them in a reasonable way and still be able to do the things that he wants to do. So, but he. You know, moves up and he stands on another objective. So I take the bottom of the turn. I go kill one of the gatebreakers, the wizard gatebreaker I go get. Okay. I don't need to roll the dice at this point, you know, to see who's got next because I have basically all of my army sans, you know, most of my untamed beasts at this point because, duh, you know, they weren't going to take giant charges very well. They're a total of 10 wounds. Yeah, of course. They have a six up save. They were going to die. But one of my units of Varengard take care of the Man Crusher on the right, you know, knowing that they're going to kind of turn, go take care of the other Man Crusher. Well, I have my second unit of Varengard supporting Archeon in my Mega Gargant fight. You know, we have a finest hour off between his Mega Gargant and my Mega Gargant, or my Archeon, and in his turn... I can imagine how that went. (laughs) You know... I hold on because I'm at this point, I'm like plus three to my save or something like that. Yeah. I take a couple of wounds, but you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. In my turn, I spike the Mega Gargant down. You know, we kill the other Man Crusher and then we talk out what four and five would be in terms of completing <sighs> battle tactics and grand strategies. Oof. So two rounds, to two big nice. wins. Nice. You know, Aaron Malone is looking to start up, you know, events in the Madison area. That's something that I'll definitely be having an eye towards, Mm -hmm. you know, because he's talking about doing like a two-dayer in like the late spring time frame, kind of like where Bruce City Brawl fell originally. Kind of between Adepticon and... And Meltdown. Meltdown, yeah. Mm -hmm. Perfect. That's great. You know, I told him, you know, more than happy to help with getting resources set up. So look for that from us in the coming months when he gets the ball rolling on that. So he's just got to find a venue and and a time and he's ready to go. You know, one of the kind of the next wave of event people and organizers and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to that. And that's only an hour and a half away. That's really close. I'm very pro everything close to us. Yes, (laughs) agreed. That's game two for me. So adventure two was in the city of Ustalov. And what we had received as Pathfinders received the message that there was this kind of a sacred sarcophagus. And it contained the remains of a young woman who had wandered. This place is just right in the middle of a marsh. And she had wandered into the marsh. When they found her, she was like dead, but she was like glowing or something. She had some kind of an aura around her. And it wasn't evil. This There was nothing evil about this. So what they did was they brought her back and they put her in this beautiful glass sarcophagus. And it was like a big tourist thing to, to come and look at the maiden. Well, somebody had stolen the maiden. Mm-hmm. So we were supposed to find out who it was. Recover the maiden. 
it was pretty interesting in that the mix of people that we had, the mix of characters that we had for this were just right for everything we needed. And, you know, we had a ranger, we had some other stuff, we had a healer, I was the healer, we had a magic user, and just really cool how the story turned out. Eventually what happened was we found out that this sarcophagus was kept in a family home, this big mansion-like place. And it turns out that the son and like a cousin or somebody had stolen this thing because they were going to hold it for ransom you know and so they thought they were being very cool Mm -hmm. the highlight of the event was we eventually caught up to them and they had this uh, sarcophagus like on a wagon and it kind of slid off the back and hit the ground so there was a little bit of crap of a crack in it well there's like this blood leaking out of it and as the blood hit the ground these weird like red vampiric mists rose out of the ground every time a blood drop hit so we had like half a dozen of these things we had to end up fighting. It reminds me of Wrath of the Titans where there was blood that was dropped on the ground and giant scorpions like came out of it. That's what I was visualizing. So these vampiric mists were probably the biggest thing that we ended up fighting. We did have a pal- uh, not only me because I was a paladin, we also had a cleric, which was cool. So we could fight these things because they were kind of undead. It was a great adventure and just again, it wasn't combat focused. It was talking to the right people, intimidating the right people, looking for things. And again, it was almost like a murder mystery kind of a deal. And I really liked that. I liked the way Cody ran it. So eventually we obviously we caught up to the maiden and we brought it back. We caught the people who took it and got our just rewards. Now, what's interesting in Pathfinder is when you finish one of these kind of adventures, you get four experience points. And every 12 experience points you get, you go up a level. So I didn't go up a whole level. I was third level when I started. One more adventure I got eight hero points during the day. If I play one more, I'll be able to go up to fourth level, which will mm. be cool. But uh, really enjoyable. Same group of people that I had played with in the previous adventure and same DM ran it. And man, we played pretty late. I, mean, I think we were like till 10.30 or something. We started about six and really a lot of fun. And again, it was the storytelling that Cody did and the way that he ran it that made it so enjoyable. And I'm really glad that I had... The character I did, who is like a super healer kind of guy, and I really missed having him as my character in the next day because I played a different, whole different character on Saturday. Mm. So that was a lot of fun. Really, really good day Friday for me. Why don't you talk about your game three? Yeah, so game three, this was against another Giants player. This was the four Mega Gargants taker tribe his general has a minus one to hit in a six inch bubble command trait the general obviously has to be a kraken eater so the list is a kraken eater a war stomper a gatebreaker the gatebreaker had the amulet of destiny Mm. yeah so Mm. pretty okay and then he also takes as his fourth mega gargant the war stomper mercenary so after the war stomper mercenary fights there is a minus one to hit bubble around the War Stomper mercenary as well, which oh, I had never really considered before in terms of army composition perspective. As it played out, I was like, oh, this is a very interesting version of this that it built out towards. This mission was, shoot, I can't remember. It was four objectives though, one in each corner. I had him go first, and after the first turn, things are looking Grim. Really? Yeah. You're set up in you know, kind of that L stair step mm-hmm. corners. Things were looking, oh, this is the no reserves, no summoning mission. That's what oh, okay. it is. Okay. And he just slammed into, you know, the untamed beasts and 
broke through the sides and was really applying a lot of pressure. And I was like, okay, you know, no problem. Roll my cheater dice. I'm not going to double him. And I was like, okay. So in the bottom of one, I pick to try and bring it down on the mercenary with Archeon. Just coming out of a game of beating up Mega Gargants, and I don't. So now I'm down three objectives to one, one battle tactic to none, and I'm not getting the turn. And I was like, oh, uh, not great. He charges into my left with the Gatebreaker, charges in with the General as well, hmm. into my line of Marauders, and I've got some Varengard that are kind of hanging out back there, like just at around three inches. Archeon is attached to one of the Mega Gargants, a unit of Varengard is there, and he moves up his other War Stomper just outside of three of Archeon and elects to not charge, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. He fights with the allied-in War Stomper, does a couple of wounds, brings me down to my last Varengard. He's got like two wounds on him or something like that. In that unit. You still had another unit of three. I did have another unit of three. Okay. But he chose to Titanic Duel Archeon instead of roaring at him, which is a mistake because I had the Chaos Lord nearby. So I was able to give Archeon the pile and fight twice command ability. Yeah. Jeez. The mercenary Mega Gargant has like two wounds on him, something like that. Mm -hmm. Not enough. And I've got one of my one Varengard I had fight when you die. I was expecting him to die to kill the Mega Gargant. Well, he didn't die, so, you know, whatever. So Archeon piles around. You know, he was just outside of three, so he's within an inch of all of his weapons. Fights the first time at the War Stomper. Nearly kills it. Okay. Yeah, pretty good. Mm -hmm. He chooses to not fight back with that War Stomper, which I found to be very strange. And he fights with his general, who ends up piling in and pulling the Varengard on my left out of combat. And I go, okay, well, I'm going to swing again with... Archeon, and I bring down the full War Stomper. The mercenary one is still sitting there next to me. Okay, and had one or two wounds left. Okay. Basically nothing. All right. He goes, well, how can you do that? What's well, a command ability. I spent the point. I explained this earlier. Yeah. Like, he goes, I did not understand. I'm like, okay, well, sorry. That's the rule. <laughs> yeah. Right. I told you what all of these things do. You know, we had a whole section. Mm-hmm. You wrote all this stuff down. So then he piles in and fights with the Gatebreaker, and the Gatebreaker is able to get within three inches of the Varengard with his big super yeah. flail and kills two of them. When the other Mega Gargant fell over, it had killed my other Varengard that had a couple <laughs> wounds on him. But he couldn't fight when he died because you trigger fight when you die if you're killed with a melee weapon, not an ability. Sure. I've got one Varengard left. One total. One total okay, Varengard. All right. I have bottom of two now. I rally back a Varengard because I had pulled the ones that were within three inches of the Mega Guardians. Yeah, yeah. I rally back one and I'm like, okay, you know, we're back in business. Archeon, who's taken like no wounds to this point, you know, because he's healed. Even though he's been facing off against two Gargants. Yeah. Basically untouched, uses the filth spewer head to do D3 mortal oh. wounds to the allied Mega Gargant. So he's gone. I teleport my Chaos Lord over kind of the middle of the table in -hmm. a place where Archeon's going to move over there. He's going to make this charge. He's going to go hunting another Mega Gargant. Yeah, sure. Swings over there. You know, my Chaos Sorcerer Lord, you know, and the Varengard run up to go take another objective. 
like things are swinging back in my favor. Things were looking sure. real bleak there through the first two turns. You know, so in top of three, Archeon brings down his general, who has the minus one to hit bubble going. Wow. There at the bottom of three, he's got one mega gargant left, and it's the gatebreaker. And, you know, charges in, him and Archeon are having a duel, gets Archeon down to two wounds left. Oh, Two wounds left. So Ouch. Hero phase, he wins the double into four. So in the hero phase, he finest hour and I finest hour and throw some rocks at me. Not enough damage. Get to the end of the charge phase. He again chooses to not roar me. And what is up with that? And I don't roar him because I have a plan here. I'm expecting him to do all out attack. Archeon on his war scroll has a command ability that when your opponent uses a command ability, you can issue a command ability yourself mm-hmm. to basically on a two up issue fight the fight when you die command ability. Okay. You knew he was going to die. He goes and all attacks and I have finest hour. So, you know, I've got some better defense to me going. There's a chance that I don't die at all, right. Right. you know, dice, but you know, we'll see. I roll a four on the fight when you die. He kills Archeon, and then in return, Archeon rolls all of his dice with plus one to hit, re-rolling basically everything against this Gatebreaker, pulls the Gatebreaker down in return. At the top of four, there are two models left on this table. Oh my god. My Chaos Sorcerer Lord and my Chaos Lord. Oh my god. So we talk out my battle tactics for four and five. Big win. You know, I dropped a battle tactic, you know, because I didn't get it early, but... Still, you know, undefeated after three games, the third game really pushed me to try and fight my way yeah, out of that paper like bag. That was, that was tough. But Archeon at that point has himself removed seven mega gargants over the course that's of two games. Insane. That's really insane. You know, that ends up being the end of my day one. You know, we have a whole trying to find dinner adventure where, you know, we talked about it a little bit here before where at some point, you know, me and my roommates for the weekend throw our hands up and we go, screw it. You know, we're going somewhere else. And we go to basically kind of like one of those drive up hot dog yeah, stand place that like sure. you know, that you go to in the summer and we eat outside like it's you know 45 degrees <laughs> yeah, but of course but we're starving like yeah. you know it's like we're not getting this we're not going back in the car you know we're not gonna go and eat at the hotel we're gonna eat right. this right here and right now so i had ordered a hot dog and fries a root beer and a brownie sundae and i'm sitting there in you know 45 degree weather in <laughs> You know, in my cubic shenanigans hoodie with shorts and my tournament (laughs) tank top. I can see that. And I'm just having the best time. And Nick True looks at me and he goes, man, are are you feeling all right? I'm like, (laughs) yeah, this is great. Like, I should have ordered another hot dog. It's what I should have done. Yeah, of course. So that was the end of our day one. My so my whole hotel room was three and zero, oh, mm-hmm. and you know we were real excited. Oh, going perfect! Into day two. You were with Nick and who else? Mike Weston. Oh, of course, sure. Mike was up great. That's great to hear. Cool stuff. So, so the start of day two for you. Yeah. So this is a long day. This ends up being like a twelve-hour day, a thirteen-hour day. We went from nine in the morning to almost eleven at night. Woo! Because this was a three-part adventure. They were consec, you know consecutive type things and and it all worked together three separate scenarios but all tied in Mm -hmm. and it was called the slithering which should have been a clue for us about what we were going to be dealing with bats well yeah of course the guy who ran this day wasn't cody was guy is uh, guy martell is his name he's really well known in the pathfinder community and he's a character i'll tell you (laughs) and 
we kind of got a feel for what he was going to be like. He started the whole day off basically saying, as the DM, I'm just going to tell you now, if you aren't ready, I'm going to skip your butt. That's just the way it works. Later in the day, many hours later, Stephanie, one of the, she was playing an Oracle. He was like, Stephanie, I need your D20. And she was doing like figuring out some numbers or something. He goes, Stephanie, I need your D20. Stephanie, you're going last because we were rolling for initiative. <laughs> she looked up and she goes, what just happened? I said, it was too much. We thought he was just like kind of bloviating, you know, and nope, it was, that was Guy. Okay. Uh, we ended up going to this town. They were told there was a curse there. Something was happening. Mm-hmm. People were changing. We didn't know what they were changing into or whatever. Some kind of a curse going on. And we met with a local pathfinder in this, this large village. It was very large. It was like a city, but made up of little villages. And we were told that the first thing we needed to do was we needed to go to this, there was a big market square. There was a guy who dealt in rare wood. Um, he made all kinds of things out of wood and shipped it everywhere and stuff. And so we walk into his shop and his his yard where he had all these things laying out. And we see all kinds of like, we saw this big stack of arrows that didn't have any points on them. This is wooden arrows without mm. the, the you know sticky end. And we saw these wooden clubs and just all kinds of weapons like this going, this is really weird. You know, it makes sense because he's a, a woodmaker, but we saw other things too. We meet with him and we're standing like across a table from him. And all of a sudden he starts changing right in front this is like five minutes into the adventure he changes into this gigantic black ooze he was like 150 hit points brendan we we were just starting like what what the heck is the rest of this going to be like and he's grabbing you know he's grabbing people with his pseudopods he pulls one of the party members into him you know got absorbed into it so somebody else goes up and tries to pull him out somebody else hits it with uh, like a sword you know like a slashing weapon doesn't do anything just doesn't hurt it at all somebody else fires a couple quick arrows at it it just kind of moves around it doesn't do anything and it took us like three rounds of combat and there's only like two of us left that aren't super damaged to figure out it's only susceptible to bludgeoning weapons Mm -hmm. remember the arrows without the points on them Okay, so our one guy grabs a bunch of these arrows and starts shooting them. Another guy picks up a club. Our barbarian picks up one of these wooden clubs and starts beating on it. I had this cantrip, which I can cast constantly. Cantrips, you can do that. And it's telekinetic assault. So I can basically pick up things and throw them. So I'm picking up these pieces of wood and throwing them at him to get some chip damage. But it was just hilarious the way this all started out. The fact that it happened so quickly. We were down to like half of our group within just a few rounds of that combat. <laughs> we used to get like this whole adventure to go through. So we killed it finally. And we ended up having to go to this like council meeting and I had a skill that helped me win a debate. We got some clues from that. And we were told that people in the town, and now you tell us, are basically changing into these oozes. And it's only humans that this is happening to. Now, one of the things to tell you is that before we got to RockCon. We were told to make sure for this day and in this adventure, we did not bring human characters. Well, that's why we were told, because they would have turned into oozes like within 10 minutes of starting the adventure. So. Sure, that would have been bad. Yeah. <laughs> I played an elf and there was a couple of guys who were kobolds and it was really interesting. Anyway, so we were told about then this one guy had five apprentices that he thought were getting sick, was what he said. And he had kind of quarantined them to this warehouse in the southern part of the city. So we go down there, we and it had two big like barn doors. So we slide the one door open and we look in. There's five cots in there. And they're all kind of moldy and there's 
mushrooms growing and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, we probably should send something in. We should roll something. Does anybody have like a ghost or a, you know, something they can put in? And they're like, no. And the guy, st- the second the barbarian stepped across the threshold, all five of these things turned into giant molds. Mm. So now we were fighting five molds. And it was just bad. It, that's the whole first adventure was like this. We walked into another warehouse. There were two of these things, two of these black oozes. Well, he didn't tell us that if you damage it enough, they split. The one guy forgot that we couldn't use slashing weapons, so he hit it with enough hit points, and he was all excited, like, oh, my God, yes. He did, like, 60 hit and points. Goes, and then we had two of them with, like, you know, 60 hit points apiece. Like, you idiot. <laughs> and what was funny about that encounter was we ended up... Ended, doing a Benny Hill because we had killed two of them and one of them they were pretty slow so we ended up running away we shot at it it would chase us we ran around a corner it would chase us we'd shoot it it, it, and we ended up killing it that way it was just kind of funny how it ended up working Um, so that was that adventure and we were just exhausted man we had come close to death i don't know how many times and fortunately we had the oracle who was a healer i had some healing stuff that i could do to help people but i like i said i was really missing my paladin who was the healer I had a high enough medicine skill that I could still treat wounds and do things like that. But it was just, man. Was and I'm going, I oh God, it's only one o'clock. I had two <laughs> more of these to do. It, it seemed like it was way over like what it should have been in terms of what our group was having to deal with. Mm-hmm. But we got through it. It was just so much it was just a lot. Work. Oh, so much work. Anyway, so that was game game three that was third session and it was early on saturday afternoon at that point why don't we take a break sure and then we can talk about your day two mm-hmm. and the rest of my day two and top of my day three yeah so listeners will be right back here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me all right brendan we're back for game four mm-hmm for your Dragonfall. What's up? Yeah, so going into game four, there were five of us undefeated at 3-0. and There's my Now, how son. many people, excuse me, by the way, were there at Dragonfall? It's about 40. There okay. was a number of last-minute drops that would have been, you know, just before the event. So there's five of us at 3-0, myself with my Archeon, Mike Wessendorf with his Blood Tooth's Iron Jaws. You had Isaiah with his Three Fox Lumineth Nonsense. <laughs> And you had two Living Cities armies that leaned primarily on Fulminators. One of them had a bunch of Iron Drakes, and the other one had Gotrek as the kind of other killing potential out of it. My list does not deal well with shooting. Going forward the rest of the way, if I was going to win out, my odds were not looking good that I was going to be able to do what I wanted to do. One of the Cities lists and the Lumineth list were both one-drops. I didn't have that advantage I could necessarily count on. That's the way it goes. Game four was tectonic interference or no sorry veins of gur was game four tectonic okay. interference was games was game five veins of gur is star strike but in 3.0 and i was playing isaiah's lumineth so he had a lore seeker and the lore seeker is the hero that can pop out after deployment and sit on an objective and controls it until mm-hmm. you kill the lore seeker which is pretty good his other hero was Severeth. Okay. He had a mage on his board. So he had a lore seeker in Severeth. He was Helon, so that's when you're in close. They get another ranged attack. He had uh, 10 wind chargers, so those are the bows on kangaroos. Yeah. He had a unit of 30 sentinels, and he had a unit of 10 wardens, and then he had two of the other wind spirits. So Dan, there is nothing I could have done to win this game. 
absolutely nothing. I cannot beat this army. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't engage it. Correct. Yeah. It was a mission where we were set up so far apart that the only thing that I maybe could have tried to do was set up Archeon very aggressively and go after him. But I won deployment. I picked the side. He was a one drop. I was a one drop. So I set up, he saw what my setup was. He deployed in a place where Archeon wasn't going to be able to get to the Sentinels without me teleporting first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, okay. I give him the turn. He shoots off all six of my Varengard, even though I'm sitting castled up around a piece of mystical to try and, you know, mitigate some damage. Mm-hmm. Bottom of one, I'm missing my damage dealers. <laughs> the foxes block my ability to try and go forward. I try and go after the wind chargers. He redeploys, I fail long charge, take my reroll, fail the other long charge. You know, he keeps priority into two. The objective drops down basically right underneath Archeon's base, which was cool. He charges in with his wind chargers. Archeon kills all but two of them. He basically shoots off the rest of my army in the top of two. Now, he was shooting them off with foxes and sentinels. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yep. Well, he does like a little bit of chip damage to Archeon here and there. Bottom of two, I defeat the rest of the wind chargers. He maintains priority into three and shoots off Archeon. And it takes his whole army to shoot off Archeon, but he shoots off Archeon. Mm-hmm. And at that point, all I have left is my Chaos Lord and like four Marauders or something. And I'm like, hey, good game, man. Pew, pew. <laughs> He's like, well, you know, see, you know, like what battle taxes you can get if I don't do anything the rest of your army. I go, no, like if you play this game, even incompetently, I am tabled here. I lost. Uh, I got yeah. blanked, you know, basically... I got like a total of like five points or something like oh, that. Oh, God, Brendan. Ooh, that's it, tough. Tough loss. I will use this platform. Foxes are one of the most problematic units in the game of Age of Sigmar. They are a unit that a large majority of armies have a very limited ability to deal with. Mm-hmm. And in some instances have no ability to deal with. I think they're ridiculous. I like, oh, well, you know, you can, no, you really cannot do anything unless you have the ability to reach out and touch somebody either in the hero phase, charging out of phase, and even then that doesn't matter, or in the shooting phase. Hmm. And that's it. If you want to really sit there and be frustrated, I can put some bases out and move them around for you. But they're priced inappropriately at Mm -hmm. like 260 points or something like that for a unit that most people can't do anything about Mm -hmm. and people sit there well you brought Archeon Brendan a lot of people can't do anything about that Archeon is half of my points like you can play four of them and that's half of your army to your point Brendan you know that's the thing that really gets people frustrated especially people who weren't playing at top tables is when they see there's a unit like that in any system but mm-hmm. but in Sigmar in particular and they just know it's across the board they've heard about what it does they see what it does it just sours people because they feel like they're absolutely not participating in the game at all I didn't get to participate yeah. and I am a top table yeah. player but you win your other four games at least mm. you're in there and you're right. competing these other people are coming to have a good time you know be competitive I mean, I would be like that going, you know, quick game, man. You just shake the hand and say, let's let's go look around and see what other people are doing. And it's so unfortunate when you have something like that that makes the game really uncomfortable for everybody at any level. Yeah. It's an army that can be beaten only if you have, like, the exact opposite thing that it doesn't want to see. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, something like Boats. Or something that does a lot of mortal wounds at range. Mm-hmm. But the Wind Spirits have a 5-up ward as well. And then the other thing that it's pairing with is that unit of 30 Sentinels 
that is doing mortal wounds on fives and sixes and is trying to get a spell off to re-roll. It's got, what, 30-inch range? 30-inch range plus their five-inch move. And they can re-roll all their hits, so they're fishing for fives and sixes. Mm -hmm. If it was just the wind spirits in isolation, that's one thing. But they get to pair it then with a unit that you can't get to because what the wind spirits do is they will just be outside of three or however far out that they need to be so that you can't get over the top of them so that you can't go and get the sentinels and even if you could then they just move in the shooting phase and get in front of you again and in that case you know they're potentially throwing one of their wind spirits away or they're just going to move out side of 12 so that you aren't even eligible to charge them mm-hmm. it's <sighs> it's uncomfortable yeah, it really is. it's one of those things where I went into the event knowing that like I really couldn't process and handle shooting armies. But like to give people context, I was his only opponent that didn't concede after battle round one. <laughs> okay, wow. I, there you go. Yes. I've run some pretty gross stuff. I've never had a just a after <laughs> one. All right, well for the whole event. Right. All right, you win. Good job. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I do some nonsense, but, like, it'll take a couple turns. Funny. Your game four. Yeah, so my second game, we kind of had an idea of what was going on and what was actually causing this curse. And we found out that there was a temple where there was a weapon against this, a weapon that could eliminate this curse. So we were sent by the Pathfinder Society to get to this temple and recover this object that would activate the ritual and just kind of wipe out this curse right to be able to move forward as right. a society yeah one of the things that carried forward and was really useful was this cantrip i had the telekinetic assault mm-hmm. it was just so great it was chip damage you know it, i was level five so it was my level five plus a d6 but on average i'm doing eight to ten damage and there's nothing they could do about it uh, and it was just really cool that it was helpful you know 20 30 wounds on something over a few battle rounds was really helpful to the rest of the group and it was something i never ran out of like other spells uh, the other thing that was fun with this was when we got to the temple i actually got to use my fireball and my lightning bolt and my third level spells that i wasn't able to use in the first scenario for some reason just because of proximity and so forth and because i've never played a wizard before that was really cool <laughs> It was just great and how it worked out. We got into the the temple and the first we did was like a conference room thing. And there was this big wooden statue in the corner and there was like an attendant on the other side of the table. Well, again, the second we're like, like most of us, except for the barbarian, we're like, let's see what's in here first. He was like, Arr. Mm-hmm. so he stepped into the room. It turns out that this statue was a wooden golem and it fired these huge wooden spikes out into the room. It took like a third of my damage off my wizard. I had to run out of the room again. And it's just trying to spike everybody. The attendant turned into an ooze and was coming over the table and coming after us and stuff. Big fight, first room. We got through it because we were kind of used to it from the first game we played. But that was just the start. We go to another room and there's a bunch of lizard men. Okay, I get it. And they were kind of not very smart and they just kind of threw stuff at us and tried to hurt us. And there was a wizard in there. We got rid of him. Like, okay, this is doable. I think we can do this. We got to the next room, and there were like two wizards, and the warriors were bigger. And we got through them, but now I'm at the point where I'm going to have to use my third level spells pretty soon. Mm-hmm. I could just feel it. I hadn't had to use them yet. I was holding out and using a lot of my cantrips and stuff. The oracle, she was doing a great job healing people. The barbarian, and there was a ranger who was doing a really good job of identifying stuff for us. If we hadn't had him, I don't know what we would have done. And he had a bear companion. This bear was just getting beat up. It was great. He would just throw the bear in. It would get knocked down, and everybody else would do their thing. So that was kind of fun so now we get to the third room in this place or the fourth room and 
not only did the lizard men have wizards, they brought two pet basilisks. And within the first two rounds, two of our five people had been turned to stone mm. by these basilisks. And we're going, what are we going to do? So I ran into this room and I threw a fireball into the corner. I finally could use my fireball and took out like half the things that were in the room. And then the rest of the people came kind of, I finally felt like I was doing something worthwhile other than throwing furniture, you know, which is what I ended up doing in that conference room. We killed the lizard that had the two Boslisks' pets. We killed that whole group. And obviously we had made enough noise that whoever else was in this place was going to know we were there. So we walked around a corner, up a set of steps, and into this room, and there was like five pieces of furniture stacked up on one another, and there was this huge lizard man on top. There's a couple wizards. It was almost like the other room, but things were bigger and badder. So I was like, okay, I haven't used my lightning bolt. Lightning bolt! And I killed two of the wizards who were in this line, and I hit this lizard king guy. Mm -hmm. All I did was piss him off. (laughs) So he ran over to me and I dropped. I had not dropped at any time during the previous day or the previous adventure. He just like smacked me down. But what that did, it distracted him from everybody else. So all of a sudden he had four adventures around him. He was like, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. It's okay. I'm giving up. I don't want to fight anymore. And we're like, what's going on? Like, he just he just knocked our champion on, you know, or our wizard and almost killed him. I was like at death three. And if when you go to death four, you die. He goes, no, 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 no. And he told us what was going on was that there was like a cult leader who had stolen something from the temple and that he was supposed to guard the temple. That was his job as the as the lizard man leader. He was like, I'll tell you anything you want to know. And it turns out this cult leader had gone to like a demon city where this cult worshipped this certain demon god, whatever it was. But that's where he had taken something that we needed to go get. This was going to be the third part. And then the other thing was when he was finished, you know, oh, I'm sorry, I hurt your people, blah, blah, blah. He goes, and now I'm going to go back to my mate. She's downstairs with her two pets and I'm going to hang out with her. And we're all looking at the other like, we better get out of here because we just killed his mate and her two pets in the previous encounter, right? We didn't want him getting angry at us. So we finished that piece of it. Now, this is the thing. I'd never played a wizard before. I didn't realize that I could heighten my cantrips so they'd be a lot more effective and i hadn't done it for like the previous eight hours i hadn't heightened any of my cantrips which was very helpful knowing that now in the third one but that one went five hours it was brutal in that temple that part of the day went five hours and i was like time out gary we gotta take a break man i'm sorry but we are taking a break you know it was like seven at night i just like yeah we got to get some food they're gonna close the kitchen <laughs> He's like, okay. But anyway, so that's my fourth game. How about your final game, man? Yeah, so game five, I'm sitting on three and one. I recognize that it is mathematically impossible for me to win the event uh, after being handed my first loss at Dragonfall ever. So I'm looking to salvage either a best warlord or best in faction. I draw uh, Steve Potasic from the Partners at War. Super excited to play Steve. Steve and I had never played. Steve and Tracy had kind of, you know, started coming to events, I want to say like 2019-ish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been at a bunch of the same ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I had played Tracy at LodgeCon 2020 before the world shut down, but I'd never gotten the chance to play Steve. And, you know, Steve and I, over the last, you know, couple of years have, you know, got on and, you know, we do a lot of talking. And he was loving my Archeon list. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, it looks so cool. He's like, because him and I had talked about something similar not that long ago, back in 2.0, back when I was playing it as Slanesh, you know, at Nodepticon and, okay. uh, and Indie Storm. And Steve was playing the new Iron Jaws. Steve was playing Blood Tooths. Mm-hmm. His general was the Mega Boss on foot, which I should have 
read closer, I would have picked a different battle tactic at one of the points in the game. Two war chances, one with the plus one to hit beat, one with the healing beat. Mm-hmm. He had a fungoid cave shaman. Oh, cool. He had a mega boss on Maw Crusher who had the Amulet of Destiny. The mega boss on Foot had the Destroyer, which is the plus three damage weapon. Yes. Then he had a unit of 10 brutes with the range two, rend two weapon, which mm-hmm. is pretty good. Unit of three pigs and two units of six pigs. 15 one, pigs. One with the rend one, one with the rend two weapon. Oh, man. Whew. So he had one cabbage. One cabbage. And then the mega boss. Mega boss on okay. Foot. All right. I out deploy him because he's like an 11 drop or whatever. Sure, sure. You know, because he's got two artifacts, so took the Warlord Battalion. And uh, Hunters on the Big Pigs and the Tenor of Brutes. Okay. So this is Tectonic Interference. This is the three in the middle. They're all prime. The alpha objective shifts between yes. battle rounds. Oh, yeah, I played that one. So we set up. I give Steve first. He moves up very conservatively, but just enough to score all three objectives and get his battle tactic. Okay. So I roll my Archeon dice, and I get the double turn. Great. So I send Archeon up the right side. I send the Varengard up the middle. Archeon slams into the Brutes. Doesn't roll well enough, so there's only two left. The Varengard don't land their charges, but I have, you know, moved up onto all of the objectives. I score all three, I score my battle tactic, and I reveal that I'm doubling, which I was really hoping that, you know, I was going to have been able to remove the brutes and send Archeon into the cabbage. Sure. Fortunately, it doesn't work that way. So I send the Varengard into his, like, mix of heroes that he's got kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, so the three pigs, the mega boss on foot, you know, I tie up the cabbage, because I am able to get the you fight last spell off Mm. on the cabbage. So I know I'm gonna be able to roll a bunch of dice. So I end up removing the three pig screen, I end up removing a war chanter, and I end up removing the mega boss on foot, who Mm. also fights when he dies. He rolled so poorly. He's got like eight attacks or something like that. Sure. He rolled like four ones. I'm just standing there and I'm like, I'm personally not upset, but I'm sitting there and I'm like, because every one of those saves that I fail, a Varengard dies. So I end up losing two Varengard from the one unit. I've got, you know, my other three just kind of hanging out and the Maw Crusher kills the last one of that other unit. So, okay. uh, so you've got one unit of three left. One unit of three left. And Archeon removes the rest of the Brutes. So I score all the objectives again and I get my battle tactic. Cool. Comes in with one of the unit of six pigs charges my Varengard. The other unit of six pigs charges some untamed beasts. He triggers smashing and bashing, you know, from the untamed beasts. And then he comes over to the selection of the other unit of Varengard. And he's like, I'm going to swing with the pigs. And I go, Steve, are you sure you want to do that? He goes, yeah, because and if I kill the pigs here, then, you know, I get to do this other thing here. And I'm like, are you sure that that's what you want to do? He goes, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I want to do. Okay. What's key here is there was one Varengard touching the cabbage that he was going to think that he was going to be able to smash and bash in his way through, you know, he was going to trigger this other unit that was going to kill, you know, another unit of untamed beasts. And then, you know, he was going to be able to trigger like a chain reaction. Yeah. He, he was going to be able to do all of this stuff. I was like, okay. So he kills two of the three Varengard in that unit. And I remove all of the Varengard that are within three inch of the cabbage. So the cabbage doesn't get to fight. And he goes... You did ask me. <laughs> but you didn't ask me enough. Yeah. <laughs> you should have asked me four or five more times. Yeah. Yeah. I said, Steve, I, <laughs> I was trying to 
very politely say that your plan isn't going to work probably unless you do X. Sure. So he ends up doubling me two into three. His pig is very hurt. You know, he takes kind of a sizable position on the board, but the fact that the one Varengard is alive throws off all of his plans. He can't mm. mighty destroyers away from all of the situation. You know, his movement is reduced. Like, he ends up getting two and moves the cabbage to the middle of the board. You know, the middle of the board is the primary at this point in time. I've got my marauders kind of fleeing away from his pigs. Bottom of three... Like, because what basically, whenever I have the bottom of the turn, I roll the Archeon turn cheater dice because it's mathematically a better chance at winning priority okay. than rolling straight against the opponent. Plus, now I also know. So I roll my cheater dice and I set it down. And Steve told me after the game, he's like, Well, when you looked at the first time, he's like, He said, You gave me no read. He said, I had no idea if I was going first or not. He goes, The second one, three into four, you lift up the cup and you just go, because I'm getting the double, and I know that the double here is going to be backbreaking. Yes. If I can do things in the way that I need to. Right. Unfortunately for me, I wasn't able to kill the Maw Crusher in three, because I pick Bring It Down. Oh, and I'm, okay. I'm just, I'm, you missed that. I miss it on like two wounds or something like oh, that. God. But so I double him into four. I kill the Maw Crusher. You know, I run my Marauders onto the objective, so I ran them onto the objective in the last turn, so I controlled two. You know, I killed a monster, and I had successfully turned, you know, my Chaos Lord into a monster, and in four, I get to have two monsters in your opponent's territory for bonus battle tactics and things like that. And bottom of four, you know, we're kind of running out of time here. He goes, Hail Mary, Slay the Warlord, Archeon. He's got to pick up eight points here in the bottom of four for us to, you know, when we talk about five, to have meaningful opportunity to win. Sure. And the only way to do that is to get all the objectives on the table, get a battle tactic, and kill a monster. <sighs> Tall order. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Tall order. Doesn't do it, though. So he still had 10 pigs. Right. A fair few pigs. He's got his fungoid cave shaman. He's got some models on the table. You know, at this point, all I have are some motley crew of marauders that, you know, I had rallied and rolled pretty well on. In Archeon. <laughs> Archeon and my two other heroes. Ugh. I'd forgotten to redeploy... Which is too bad because like he rolled like a four on the charge and had no command points. So if I had had any, any amount of redeploy, it would have ended, you know, then and there just definitively. But, you know, we have to roll the dice now. And thankfully, Archeon survives. And we talk about, you know, the rest of the game. and, And I end up winning because, you know, he picks up two points for objective control and that kind of thing. But, you know, failed his battle tactic, didn't get the monster. He controlled more than me, so it was three points. Super close game. That was... Well, that's great. He got my favorite opponent vote. We had a great time. It was a really competitive game. And so that ends my weekend at four and one. Oh, yeah. Which is good. And that's the way to end a weekend is with a game that is that close and contentious in terms of determining the result. Because just like my game three, where it was back and forth, this one was back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, if we had played five, I don't think it would have gone fourth, you know, Mm -hmm. one more time. But it was one of those ones where there were certainly some turns where the dice did not go the direction they needed to in the moment they needed to for both of us. Okay, good. Well, that's uh, a good game. Yeah, it ended up being very fun. That's great. Yeah. And then so your last... (laughs) Man... We thought the word, the rest was bad. Just to get to this cultist city that we had to get to, this demon city, there were two specters that popped up in the middle of the street, you know, kind of in the road. That was just the beginning. We haven't gotten to the city yet. Mm-hmm. And it, like, drained everybody they touched. They just were 
wiping people out. We finally got through them, but we're really beat up and we're not even to the city yet. Again, this was kind of like a theme the whole day, Ugh. right? So we got a little bit of healing done. A couple people got some stuff back. Again, we had to stop. We had to kind of reconfigure a little bit. And then Gary, of course, being Gary, he's like, well, I didn't tell you about the three drakes that are flying overhead looking for you. Uh, I didn't tell you about, and there was some other thing. He goes, I'm just not going to worry about them because if I do, you'll never make it to the, thanks Gary, really. That was really nice. Yeah, very helpful. So we get to this city, and there's only one way to get in. There's like this big sandy courtyard and a big double doors. And then there's two little side rooms. You see doors on the side. Our friendly barbarian, of course, let's go for the big doors. We walk across to these big doors, and all of us swear we heard Gary say they're bolted from the inside. You can't open these big doors. Mm-hmm. We all, And this is important later. All of a sudden, six huge scything blades just appear and just start sweeping through this courtyard and just tearing the party up. We're just getting destroyed. We had to get out of there somehow. We'd stepped on a pressure plate or something, and Gary's like, well, you know, if you had had a thief here, thanks, Gary. (laughs) (laughs) If you had somebody who would have seen the trap. So we chose a door. We busted, you know, one guy busted open the door, and there's two lizard guys. There was like five lizard guys in the room. But we had to get out of this room because you're just getting sliced up. I don't know if you remember in the very first Star Wars movie where Han Solo, like he was, they were on the the Death Star and he just decided to charge into the stormtroopers and they ended up being so scared that he charged that they ran. Mm -hmm. I did that. As a wizard, I was like, I have to get out of here. I'm going to go to the corner of that room. So I ran like my maximum run to get all the way across. And these things were just, he rolled the dice and they were all like startled that I'd run into that room and done that. Which, thank goodness, gave everybody else time to run into the room, except for our oracle. So everybody got in the room. We're all engaged. I'm in the back corner getting ready to throw spells. Well, the oracle didn't quite make it inside of the room. Hmm. She's out. She's like on the, the square right next to the door. So she's getting sliced up still. These things are like sentient. They knew she was there. So one of we had to waste an entire turn for one of our best characters to grab her and drag her back into the room. Past these lizard guys who were trying to hit her. So hopefully she wouldn't die. And we got into this big fight inside of this room. We finally won. Of course, everybody's getting beat up the whole time. And we're like, oh, man. And all of a sudden, the blades stopped. They kind of stopped moving. And we're like, well, we have to get into this city. Somehow, we had to get in there. Mm-hmm. We just had a really bad, a really big battle. And we're like, well, there's a door on the other side. Because he told us this door was bolted from the, the double door was bolted from the inside. We can't get into it. So we went to the other side. We opened the door. There's a demon in there and there's two humans look like they're practicing magic or something. The demon sees us. He teleports onto the, the pressure plate for the blades and then teleports to the room we just came from. He reactivated all the blades oh. with us out in this room. We're like, ah, what are we going to do? So we ended up running back to that room and the demon just teleported out of the room and we were all beat up again like what are we gonna do like at least we knew where the pressure plate was and everything and we're like well we can't really go back to that room where the demon was he's gonna do the same darn thing again so we're like well let's go see if we can do something with the double doors into the city the barbarian did like a strength check and gary goes with a great effort the doors 
slide open. We're all like, wait a minute. You told us that these things were bolted from the inside. If we could have pushed on the doors before, we would have done that. And we were just all so frustrated. We're looking at each other like, oh God, I just want this to end now. It, yeah. it was really frustrating because we've gone through all this other stuff and almost died like three times. We could have just pushed the doors open. We're like, okay. We kind of looked at each other and had a little confab. Like, all right, just let's just move on, you mm -hmm. know? So we got into this room and we opened these double doors and there's like 10 characters in this room. There's this big the demon was back in the bar by the way because he had warned everybody we were coming there were like three wizard guys there was this huge lizard man guy who obviously was one of the leaders there was another wizard who was obviously another leader and we were just like okay dan go for it so i threw a fireball into that room i still have my fireball and i took out like three characters another one i knew was hurt pretty bad by the way he described it and then everybody kind of engaged I moved, I threw my lightning bolt, I took out one other person, and then this demon teleported next to me, took out this huge demon spear, and just rammed it through my body, and oh. I just fell to the ground. So I was done. I turn around, the barbarian was down. We turn around, and the ranger was down. Like, all of our damage dealers, we had the oracle who was like a healer, and one other character that was still up, standing up. There were still like half a dozen of these things in this room. Well, it turns out that the one guy I had fireball who hadn't fallen, he was almost dead. The oracle brought me back, and I picked up something, and I threw it at him, and I killed him. <laughs> so when I did that, it turns out he was a leader, and like, their morale broke because of all the things that were happening. Most of the rest of them ran out of the room, and the only thing that was left was this giant lizard guy she was waking people up and healing them so they could still fight and stuff we finally killed him it, it turns out he had like 120 hit points or something Whoa. it was just brutal so he was dead brendan it was just insane we got that room finished we kind of bandaged ourselves up the best we could but we were very very beat up we ended up finding there was a golem that was the thing that had been stolen and we ended up the guy who had stole it was, let's just say he was otherwise occupied. He really didn't pay much attention to us when we went into the room. And so we stole this golem back. We had to run back to the temple that we'd gone through in the afternoon. There was a bridge. I think it was the ranger. He's like, why don't we burn the bridge? That'll slow him down. So we burned the bridge and we earned, we ended up getting like an extra five hours. So we got back. We initiated the ritual. The guy who was chasing after us, he came with his little bodyguard, but we were ready for him and we ended up killing him. So that was the end of our a huge adventure it was just a brutal it was very long obviously you know 13 hours we had a couple of breaks exhausting but it was really rewarding too and the group of people i played with were really great that was really since they're all strangers that's amazing to me mm -hmm. sometimes so i got 12 experience points i went up a level that day cool and one day which was cool that kind of made it worth it so that was it for my Pathfinder experience. And then Sunday morning, I hadn't signed up for anything, really. I wanted to, I talked about it last time, play this. It turns out it's a homebrew game called Girls Whom Panzer, and it's based on an anime, as I talked about. There were six groups of five tanks. There was three on one side of the board, three on the other. Each group of tanks represented a high school. That's kind of how this works. Okay. It's all a bunch of high schools who compete in the anime. There were American, British, Russian, Italian tanks, and there were real models, you know, a little bigger than Flames of War scale. And it was actually just kind of fun because you could jump over other tanks. It was just hilarious, some of the rules for this thing. 
the guy who ran it for us said that it was created a homebrew by a guy in England who really loved the show. There were tables, Brendan, and profiles in all the tanks. It was amazing that it all worked the way it did. It was very much a dice game, as you can imagine, but it was just fun. And the one thing, though, <laughs> most of the guys are really cool who played it, but this one guy who was next to me in Lightini, he was such a grouch, man. It was almost obvious he had never played dice games before. He's just like, I can't roll a six for anything. I can't roll a five or six. It's, he was just grouching out the whole time. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm having a great time. Don't play Warhammer. The other five guys, four guys at the table are having a great time. You just thinking to myself, you just keep grouching out. We're having a good time with this. Tanks are exploding. They're being dragged off the... It was kind of like gladiators, you know, where once they died, they dragged them out of the arena. That was what was happening. And it was just fun. It was great. And the guy who ran it was great. And just the premise of it and some of the special rules just made you laugh at some points. You knew none of this stuff was going to end up really happening. But and it reminded me a couple times in the show where I think it was like five of the girls, they had to face off against this huge, giant German tank. And like all five of them would fire at at the same time and it would hardly do any damage at all and they couldn't figure out what to do so eventually one of them like jammed itself up underneath of it and then the other another one of the tanks used that tank as a ramp and got up on top of this giant tank so this turret couldn't turn and it couldn't shoot or anything and this is like what the rules were like though that we were playing with mm. it was just hilarious so that was fun cool. and the other thing that was really cool about Sunday was I ended up reconnecting with a couple of people I hadn't seen in a very long time. Ike was one of them and Ike and his son Jason who's really grown up now but they run the historical board game piece of this and they just have this huge stack of historical board games from ancient companies like Avalon Hill and strategic strategy and tactics and things like that and it's not just military stuff there's political games that they play they were playing a game about Circus Maximus in Rome but it was neat connecting with him and he is actually going to run a weekend event down in Freeport which is what about a half an hour west of Rockford I think and he's going to like just do games the whole time because I didn't have time to sign up for any of this stuff mm. and I usually spend at least one session doing something so that was kind of cool but it's also the same weekend as midwinter is here in Milwaukee so I've kind of have to make a choice yeah and then the other thing I talked about those infinity models and you're like what infinity where'd that come from well I had a friend who a few years ago, he and I were playing Infinity with a local group, and the group kind of fell apart for reasons, but Nigel and I kind of stayed in touch. We weren't really playing it to be hyper-competitive, but it ended up being that way. It was the different state between 40K and Kill Team is what it was. It was very complex. And all of a sudden, last year when Koof was going on, he was like, did you ever hear about Infinity Code 1? And I'm like, no, I hadn't heard. He goes, it's like Kill Team for Infinity. I'm like, I'm in. It's great. Less models, less complex, you know, simplified rules. So we both bought starter boxes and we did nothing with it. Sure. <laughs> Life happened and we just kind of didn't, you know. Someday I'll play Arena Rex. <laughs> yes, of course, you and half a dozen other people. So I'm walking around Sunday morning when I had the time, and who's sitting at a table playing some game with Nigel? And I hadn't seen him forever, and he's like, Dan! And so we reconnected. We had lunch that day, talked for a while, and he goes, let's make a commitment. We are going to end up playing Infinity Code 1. And we decided we'd been sending each other pictures this week, kind of progress, and we both got all 20 models done. So that's really cool. We're going to give it a shot. You know, it's really, Great. really cool. But that was a really cool ending to reconnect to those guys during that weekend. And that's what happens sometimes there, though. You just see people. And one of the things I have decided, though, is I am not going to play 
12 hours of Pathfinder on Saturday. I am going to find something else. It was else. a little much. It really was. I had a good time. I just wanted to do as I walked out during the breaks and saw what other people were doing. It's like, I wished I could have had time to do that this weekend. So I'll just play less Pathfinder and great weekend. Good. How did things turn out for you and for some other folks we know? So I went four and one and I got the best chaos award. Perfect. And I got third best hobby. Oh, nice. Okay. So, Great. Good so job. Man. Very good. Congratulations. Um, Isaiah took first. <laughs> so best overall. He was the only 5-0. and oh. So in terms of tournament points, I tied for second, but I had dropped some battle tactics over the course of the weekend. You know, getting blanked game four certainly right. didn't out me. Yeah, sure. But Nick True had was the other person that was tied on points with me, and he had only dropped one battle tactic over the course of the weekend. Mm-hmm. So he took best general. Tracy Potasic did best death. Yep. What was she playing, by the way? Do you know? Soulblight. I mean, she was doing Soulblight. Do you have an idea? She had two 20s of Graveguard. I think she had Manfred. I think she had Radicar and some wolves. So it's, some, That's it, what, it's similar to the one I saw. The two Vampire Lords. She's kind of run something very similar and made tweaks on it every Good. different event. Excellent. Best Destruction was the Giants player I played round three with the four Mega Guardians. Oh, that close game that you had, yep. Mm-hmm. And then Best Order was Caradron Overlords player. Mm-hmm. Ben Timmerman, he's the guy who took best death at Brew City. What did he have, like three boats? Or? He had uh, two ironclads, which was very unusual, and Gotrek. Oh, wow. Didn't have a lot of army, but the army he did have was very potent. The army that won player's choice was this beautiful, stunning. So you were only able to win one hobby or and or one battle award. You couldn't mm-hmm. win two battle awards. You couldn't win two hobby awards. He was going to get first place, best painted, uh, but he picked player's choice as his trophy. Okay. Incredible. The, the basing was incredible. Excellent what conversions. What kind of army was it? It was a giant's army with Kragnos okay. oh. on a base that was like three feet tall. <laughs> so <laughs> It's great. It, it was just so well done. It was great. absolutely fantastic. That's great. Very nice. I'm glad to hear some of our friends won mm. some stuff. and That's wonderful. So a good Dragonfall being back in the game and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always enjoy going to Dragonfall. You know, whether it's now up in our neck of neck of the woods or down in Chicago. You know, the things that Mike can improve to make a you know a better event in 2022. He's the kind of guy that I know that he's gonna go ahead and do that. This was Mark's first time running a tournament, and he was assisted by Tim and Tanya of Pants Mafia fame. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And they did a really good job. The event ran super smoothly. You know, there was no major hiccups. There was no big things. And we raised like 1300 dollars on oh, our part of the charity raffle. Great. That was good to see. That's wonderful. I won a few charity draws, so I, I came home with quite a haul. Oh, so nice. So I was... Nice. Yeah, definitely. One thing I really love about Sigmar, I love that charity component to so many of the events and other things that we do, that we always make sure that's built in. And I think that's just wonderful because a lot of things don't do that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really neat to see. That's really great. Yeah. So. It was a good time. I'll be back next year. Obviously, Mike has no control over like what the dining situation is yeah, you know, yeah. in town, but I hope we can kind of get our arms around the parking thing in the future and if he does that you know i think he's got a really good venue that he can work with for Great. you know the next couple of years and hopefully well into the future yeah timing is obviously the issue for me mm-hmm. i mean i'm sure it's going to be about that same weekend every year roughly and this is 
yeah, RockCon is a tough time be, of year for you. That's what it my is. First choice, you know, it's kind of like um, you know anything else like that where you have to make the choice. It's kind of like next year, do I do NashCon or I do Irish Fest? Well, I'm just going to tell you, next year I'm going to do Irish Fest because mm-hmm. I need to do that. Yep. Right, Cindy. Right. Yeah. She's like, yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah. You just choices we have to make, and who knows how the schedules are going to kind of roll out next year when we're not pushed and trying to jam things in uh, because we want to get those events going. You know, after all the postponements we had. Right. So we'll see how that schedule works out. So good. Good stuff. Well, thank you, Brendan, for recounting your adventures. And well, thank you for recounting your adventures. <laughs> Sure. I love it. I love it. Let's move on, listeners, and we're going to talk about some new releases, finally, and talk about our listens and watches in Scriptorium. Etc. 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 All right. Finally, we get some new releases here. The first one I want to talk about, I think, is going to be in a little while. But we talked last time about Wolf Time, which is the next Indominus book. And it is by Gav Thorpe. I believe last time I said it was a Guy Haley book. It is not. It is a Gav Thorpe book. The special edition hard copy is in the process of being released for that one. I think the paperback and so forth is going to be a little bit longer. But that was announced. That's coming out. We also have Warhammer horror week where they're going to release five short stories like a subscription every day you're going to get one we have priests of mars and kane's last stand are both on audio priests of mars is the first of three books the first of a trilogy by our friend graham mcneil it's basically about an mechanicus explorator fleet very very well done excellent if you've ever read mechanicum from the heresy you get a real feel for that in this book from graham he knows everything there is to know about the ad mech and the mechanicum so really really good way to start with priests of mars and then kane's last stand is like i think the sixth or seventh book in the kane series by sandy mitchell and all of those are really good we have two new warhammer adventure books those are those kids books brendan that we've talked about before there's a 40k one and there's a sigmar one we have a couple of anthologies the first one is called The Accursed, where there are 12 Warhammer horror stories in there. That has been released. And then we have a special issue of Inferno magazine with 11 Inquisition short stories. Okay. So if you're interested in any of those kind of things and don't want to read a lot, these short stories are typically 20 to 30 pages. So even if you're not a big reader, you might find them digestible Uh, but that is all stuff that's come out this past week or so and so that's really exciting if you're into reading and so forth let's move on to your reads and lists and such Okay. Yeah. What do you got? I finished Mortis. I've had a fair few drives over the last couple of weeks, so finished Mortis. Excellent. It's a good book. How many kilometers until the wall? (laughs) None now. Zero. zero. (laughs) You know, I obviously don't want to do too much in terms of in the specifics of it, but it felt a little too disparate for me. Like it was trying to focus on too many things that were Mm. not what I thought should have been kind of the central part of it, Mm. but. I can tell at the start of Warhawk that at least one of the threads was important that needed to be tied into where Warhawk even just starts. Mm-hmm. Okay, you have to find a way to combine these things because you have so many stories that you're trying to tell over a limited number of books and you know a finite number of pages. Yeah, of course. Because if you had told those story threads like on the front end of Warhawk, it would have been the most boring like three chapters mm-hmm. of why are we doing this? I'm appreciative that they got that part of it out of the way and Mm -hmm. and you understand those bits and bobs of it man the stuff of the titan battles like it's just 
it's just too immense like to really gain an appreciation of as all these different things that they're talking about are on this like individual micro level but then you know they zoom back out like to the wall and it becomes the macro picture again and you just go how like you know what (laughs) what is this now one of the things i loved was i'm not going to say what they were but the special titans that the imperium rolled out that was very cool that was cool. That Because you never really read about them very much. I think there was a little bit about them in Thousand Suns. Yeah. But and otherwise... The, the scene that they set where control is assigned yes. was this really kind of tense mm. you know, <laughs> moment where for a lot of it, you really have no idea you know, what's going on. And then you start to gain an understanding and appreciation for yes. what is actually occurring. Finish that. That was exciting. And I started on Warhawk and I'm about like four-ish hours in. Oh, wow. Okay. So nice. Yeah. So a good start. You know, Excellent. It's the start of a Warhammer book. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a know, heresy the, book, and we're we're moving towards... This is the sixth book. I think we have two more. Yeah. So they're setting the stage, and the Khan versus Mortarian. Yes. You know, that's the, the big thing for it. So, like, right as I pulled up to your place, I can see where the Khan is trying to set up his gambit and what he's mm-hmm. trying to do. That's primarily what I've been up to there, Dan. Okay. You've got a fair few things on here. Well... Warhawk arrived on site, my hard copy. Oh, you got to get with the program, Dan. You but know, it's, uh... you know what's weird? This is bizarre, listeners, because it's rare. It's almost impossible to remember a time when Brendan was ahead on a book that I wasn't, right? <laughs> so I've got this Ranger book that I'm just loving. I'm about halfway through it right now. And Warhawk came, and I had to make a choice. And it was like, you know, Warhawk's still going to be on the shelf. It's not going anywhere. I don't want to put my Ranger book aside and then wait until I finish Warhawk for it. So I'm going to finish my Ranger book and then I'm going to do Warhawk. You're probably almost going to be finished with it by the time I start it. So this will be an interesting flip of events. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. You know, like I go through these phases where I do a lot of listening and then like no listening and then a lot (laughs) of listening and then like no listening. Those are my two reads, actual physical books. I finished listening to Hellwinter Gate, which is that third Space Wolf audiobook. It's a tough listen. If you don't know the story of this squad, if you don't understand the backstory, I think you're going to have a hard time listening to this story. Hmm. There isn't a real smooth storyline. It goes to places and you're trying to... By the time you figure out where something is or what's going on someplace, you're someplace else. Hmm. And you really have a hard time kind of catching up to the story. So it is a tough listen. It was good. I love the Space Wolves books. It was just difficult. It was tough to listen to, yeah. Mm. And then I did just finish my third Sean Dillon book. I talked about him by Jack Higgins. It was called On Dangerous Ground. Great story twist. And, you know, it's been so long, Brendan, since I read any of these books. I just don't remember anything. And so it's really fun. It's like I'm listening to them for the first time. So I'm definitely going to download the fourth book and just keep going on the series. It's just so good. That's good. Squid Game. Uh, Not for you, huh? No. I haven't seen it, so... I was very disappointed, honestly. After the first episode, I kind of figured out what was going on. I figured out what the old man was. And then after the second episode, I'm like, I kind of know what this is. And it's kind of stupid for me. Like... Okay. And I'm just thinking, what's the point of this whole thing? Usually when you watch a movie, there's a point. There's something you know that's going on. And here, everything just seemed pointless. It seemed repetitive. So for me, it didn't work. 
I'm sure there are other people who will enjoy it. First episode, they're going to be like, I want to watch the next eight. Great. Okay. I'm just letting you know my feedback. So it wasn't for you. Not working. So before you get to talking about the last thing, I remembered what I'm watching. Yes. Succession season three is on. Very exciting. Loving it. Yeah. So episode one of season three was everything that, you know, you could kind of hope for in the billing from the show. Okay. Episode two is more like table setting of like, okay, you know, we gave you the thing that like you're excited for, you know, we've set all the plans in motion. And then episode two was more kind of back to like the grindy drama of some of it. So when I leave here, I'll get myself set up with, you know, dinner and, you know, get like some laundry going. I'm going to sit down and get episode three out of the way. So that's what I've been watching. Excellent. Getting it done. All right. Now I saw Dune. Yep. And it was just a great movie. Well, that's good. Because you saw it twice here twice. in the notes. <laughs> yes. If you sat here and went, you know, I really wasn't feeling it the first time. And I thought, maybe a second watch will. And, and the reason I watched it a second time was the first time I went with a friend and his son. Mm-hmm. And neither one of them knew the story very well. So I was sitting between them answering questions most of the time, which was fine, you know, but I missed a lot, which was fine. Again, I'm glad I could help them understand the story. As someone else I talked to said, the only thing about this movie that he felt wasn't good was that there wasn't enough exposition. If you didn't know at least a little bit about it. Well, I might have to watch with you then. Yeah. Because I don't know anything about... But I did see it a second time, and I saw it on the big, big screen. And, man, it was just fabulous. The music, the sound, it was just so good. And there were all these little things I hadn't seen the first time, like just all these little details and all this little minute dialogue that I had missed the first time and stuff. These things that happened, literally, like there was an emotional, a visceral response when these things happened in the movie. Like, oh my God, like she just did that to him? Ouch. Mm. You know, it was so good. I just highly recommend that if you're in a place where you're comfortable going to a movie theater, you see it in a movie theater. I can tell you that the movie theaters are not very crowded. There are probably less people in the movie theater than there are in a grocery store that you go to to get your groceries. So consider seeing it in the movie theater because it is just... It's just a better experience oh, I mean, in, from your perspective. When we went, there may be half a dozen people in the lobby and there might have been half a dozen people in the theater that hmm. we went to. So plenty safe there's no problem yeah but yeah maybe we we should do that we should plan on seeing it because you would i think you would enjoy it okay but yeah and so so on here you said you haven't seen the last duel yet i've heard it's very bad and i've heard the opposite really okay i've heard that it's really really good i think it depends on what people expected out of it i'm still mixed but i think i'm gonna go see it all right i look forward to the feedback on this one all right because In the last episode, you know, I talked about there's no way it lives up to the hype, but I wasn't expecting it to be a bad movie. I was just expecting it to just miss the mark. Yeah. And then the feedback from like the two people that I know that went and saw them were like, it was bad. I went, really? Yeah. We'll have to see. Yeah. We'll have to see. How is it bad? So I'm hoping that you can start offsetting the tie on the the last duel. Yeah. Last duel. The one with the two knights and the lady and stuff. The Adam Driver (laughs) and. He plays not space Kylo Ren. Yes. <laughs> He's got one character, and it's either space or not space Kylo Ren right now. And that's since good. space Kylo Ren is dead, this. <laughs> yeah. So that's it then. We'll get some feedback and maybe get you out to the theater, really. All right, we're going to move on to this or that. Brendan. 
I'm ready again. It's two weeks in a row that I actually have my questions done. Okay. Mine are done now too, but I came in with nothing. So I wrote them all during the show. Okay. So I'm going to go. This shows the kind of preparedness that I come into most of these episodes (laughs) with. So I'm going to, this one question I think I've asked you before, but I'm asking because it's a different time and place now. And Mm -hmm. so I want some Sure, sure, sure. If you had to decide, because you played at both of these this year now. Mm Mm-hmm. Between Circle City or Dragonfall, because scale, Circle City is a little smaller. Circle City was like 20 or so. Yeah. Which would you go to if you had to make a choice? So when Circle City returns to teams, I think that's what ends up being the deciding factor for me. Okay. If it stayed singles, I would play at Dragonfall. Okay. If it goes to teams, I'm probably going to Circle City, largely because it is a format that I don't get to play on a regular basis. Sure. It's nothing against the events. It's just I play a lot of singles events. I play a lot of singles mm-hmm. games. I have been on the show for a number of years saying that teams and doubles are the most fun way to play this game. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't enjoy singles, but it logistically is much more difficult to run. And that's why you don't see you know those events on a more regular basis. Okay. So I would go to the event where I am less likely to be able to get an alternate version of it somewhere. Okay, fair. That sounds good. And this is one I know I've asked you before, but again, different time and place. Holy Havoc or Holy Wars? It's got to be Havoc. I've never been to Holy Wars, but after the my first time at Havoc, I recognized that without having a person next to me to be able to be like, hey, buddy, relax a little bit. Because the thing about the Holy Event tables is... A lot of the rules interactions, from my perspective, don't work the way that I think that they should. Okay. Certain things don't work the way that I think they should based on like precedent in other parts of the Age of Sigmar rule set. And so that drives me nuts. And so if I don't have that person next to me to be like, hey, trying to commit homicide at this table is probably not going to solve your problem here. Why don't you go get a couple of drinks and walk away? What you're saying is having somebody to talk you down is a good thing. Yes. Dave is consistently a very good balance to me. Sure. Like, when he gets too hot, I'm able to be like, hey, let's relax for a second here. (laughs) And when I get too hot, he's like, hey, hold on a minute here. Like, I need that person next to me to to make sure that, like, I don't lose my mind. Fine. It's fun, but there are just some things that, like, my gears lock up and I go, what do you mean it does this? (laughs) (laughs) It's too narrative for me. Okay. You're going to play your Zinch list, I guess it is, really, with Archeon and Varengard, yes? No, my list is Corn. Corn is a Corn list, yeah. But you can only take Archeon or Varengard. Mm. So that's the question. Which would you take if you... So do I have to stay in Slaves of Darkness? You can go anywhere, but it would be a list that you normally had both in, and you have to drop one of them. Because I have my Knights of the Empty Throne list, which cannot include Archeon for them to be able to do the things that they do. I haven't really... Th- I mean, there's the super dumb Zinch Archeon list that's out there right now. Yes. <laughs> that's quite good. But as I said, I, after the NashCon episode, I have no interest in playing that list. There is a Slanesh Archeon list I think I'd like to try at some point. Mm. Okay. I don't know how good it remains in 3.0, but in 2.0 it, it was interesting. I've played some Knights of the Empty Thrones. I guess I'll just take Archeon. He was fun to move around the table. Okay, was- so Archeon it is. All right. Big and scary, and I spent a lot of time painting him, so... Knowing that Nurgle's coming out, brand new Nurgle book, Mm -hmm. would you... I'm going to give you a choice of your four, so you get four choices. Which is going to be the Chaos God of your choice after Nurgle comes out now? Hmm. You're going to play a Chaos list. Play a Chaos list. How is it going to be marked? I mean, I have a full Slanesh army, number one. I have a Beast of Chaos army. 
mm-hmm. and I have some stuff that's Nurgle that that supports it from the one time I played at Wapaka with a Nurgle army that was basically built around Beasts of Chaos, and that was super fun and weird. Okay. I don't have any corn stuff, so that's out. My Zinch stuff is all unpainted, surprisingly, right? I'd probably play Nurgle, you know, get the Nurgle stuff finished, get the Beasts of Chaos stuff in there, mm-hmm. you know, because they have the same basing scheme right now. And my Beasts of Chaos have always been Mark Nurgle. That's why they're painted green. Yes, of course. So, of course. Yeah, I think Nurgle. And I think that would, you know, be just irrespective of the new book coming out. Okay. Last question. Now that we've had a few weeks under our belts in the NBA, Mm -hmm. who are the two teams that are going to be in the finals? I'm going to keep it the same. The Bucs have not played well, but that's largely because they have not had most of their starters for the first two weeks. Okay. I think the only time they've had all their starters was at opening tip-off of the first game. Drew got injured that game. Chris has spent some time out. Brooke has spent some time out. Drew has spent some time out. The only starter that's really not seen sizable bench time is Giannis. Giannis. And they're still in most of these games. They had a short turnaround. Let them get healthy. It's very early in the season, too. Yeah, and that team, when they were playing versus the Nets, oh, they looked a little unstoppable. It's either the Bucks or... I still think it's the Jazz. The Warriors look a lot better. You know, they still have Clay, who needs to come back. But just the depth that the Jazz have now is mm-hmm. kind of what I thought it was going to be. Sure. And they look good. I would not be sorry to see them in the finals this year. The Lakers look bad. I've not watched any of the Suns, so I can't comment on that in terms of, you know, kind of intelligent feedback. But I haven't heard anything too crazy about it. Maybe they're okay. Haven't really seen much out of the Clippers that has been very interesting. Okay. But, you know, we're like six games in, so. Right, right, right. 76 to go. Yeah, yeah. Very early. All right. That's Mm -hmm. my five. Okay. I have two that are about my weekend Mm -hmm. and three that are about yours. Oh, okay. So we're going to start with my two. As I said, Dragonfall was at kind of a resort setting. I actually thought that was pretty cool. Zach Lambie was there in the 40K side of the room oh, and nice. he brought his wife. And, you know, while he was playing the Warhammer stuff, you know, he's telling me that his wife was just doing shopping and doing oh, yeah, some sure. spa stuff and just kind of enjoying herself. Yeah, yeah. Knowing, though, that like staying at a resort is going to be more expensive, but there's going to actually be things for, you know, like your significant other to do. Mm-hmm. Would you prefer turn-ins be hosted at a resort? kind of setting, you know, knowing that the cost is going to be involved and these are already not inexpensive weekends No, or that it's at, you know, kind of a hotel where, I mean, you've been to a fair few of them. Many of them are just in the middle of business parks. <laughs> like it's relatively inexpensive venue space where you yes. have the floor to be able to, to do what you want. So would yeah. you prefer to go there or would you prefer to go to a resort, you know, so that like you have the optionality of, you know, bring, I mean, bringing family kind if, of things to it. You know, with Cindy's, with her impending retirement, if, you know, and I'd always offer her to come to these things. If I knew that she would want to come to something, then obviously I'd go with uh, the resort kind of place that she, she could do stuff. And it'd be, have to be a place where there was shopping and other things that she could look around at and want to be interested in. That's more of an option now than it would have been before. Sure. If she was going to come to an event, obviously I would would say in resort otherwise i have no preference i just don't mm-hmm. i'm just there to play games and participate in whatever it is warhammer business trip yeah hang out with my friends and the venue itself doesn't matter too much really for me mm-hmm. yeah the next question i ask understanding that you have not won one of these kinds of awards oh no would you prefer to win 
a battle award or like a and you have won soft score awards you have won you know favorite opponent mm-hmm. you know you've you've gotten some best painted at some of our smaller stuff so would you prefer to win a battle award or a soft score award I'd still prefer a soft score. Okay. I think if you win a best painted or you get something like that that recognizes all the work you've done on your models and your army, I would find that more rewarding than having won more games that weekend or have the points for that weekend. Because to me, that seems like it's less common for a wider group of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be amazing to win best death or whatever. That, that would be incredible. I just don't, I, and I would, obviously, I would be very appreciative. Right. But I would feel more accomplished if I wore one of, you know, got one of the other awards, I think. Okay. Yeah. Understanding that your Saturday was technically one event broken into three parts. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, which was the favorite of your five adventures from Gend? Well, it wasn't any on Saturday. <laughs> Those were just a grind. I think the first one. With the the mine and the kobolds and the... The murder mystery. Yeah, that was really cool. And one of the things I didn't talk about was they hadn't actually killed all the kobolds. There was like a merchant, a hobgoblin merchant in this camp we were at. And actually, it was a kobold in disguise. He was wearing this magical hat that made him look like a hobgoblin. But he was like the lone survivor. And we ended up figuring out that that's who he was. He went in a tent with us. He took his hat off and we're like, whoa. He's not a hobby album. So, it, but the whole adventure and the way Cody ran it was great. Okay. So I really did enjoy that. If you were to run an adventure at RockCon, what would you run? Like any event? Yeah. So like it, it's some sort of like RPG event. Yeah. You know, like w- within the context of RockCon, you know, mm-hmm. what adventure would you run? Like broad strokes here, 10,000 foot. Since it's, you can do board games. I think I'd like to do some kind of a, I don't know that I would do a DM thing mm-hmm. in Pathfinder because there is no Dungeons and Dragons. It's all Pathfinder there. I think I would like to play like a Galaxy Trucker or some board game like that that's just fun and silly. I'd like to run that for people and then just help them play it and ha- learn how to play it and that kind of thing. Because you can play like four to six people for that. I'd like to run something that kind of a thing that's less serious. Okay. I think that would be fun. Because I've never really been into the historical miniatures stuff with battles and all that stuff. It's fun to watch. But I think I'd rather run a less serious board game. Yeah. Okay. No, I got one more. Oh, okay. My fifth one. Dan, what's your favorite kind of lock? <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great question. Favorite kind of lock? Um... So before you answer this question, Cindy asked what kind of question is that? So Dan was telling his story about the end of their adventure at RockCon where the door was barred from the inside. But it wasn't barred from the inside. Right, but it wasn't barred from the inside. Uh, so this is me throwing a dart at Dan with a very dumb question, admittedly. Okay. okay. We're going to finish expositioning the joke here in that there's no way Dan does have a favorite kind of lock. But We're going to make it. But he's he obligated to now answer this in a recorded form. So this has a role-playing game context. My favorite kind of okay, lock fair, yeah. is one that requires some kind of a puzzle be solved. Not a big deal, but some kind of a puzzle. Like, you know, words are written a certain way, but if you look at them right, the letters are all just backwards. Or some kind of very simple mathematical You know, thing. that does make sense now that I think about your front door. I do get a little <laughs> frustrated that I do have to solve a Rubik's Cube every time I want to come into the building. <laughs> yeah. That would be my favorite kind of lock in a role-playing game, yeah. Oh, cool. So that's it. That's That's my five. Okay, buddy. All right. Good finish. Let's move on to show close then, my man. There is something going on around 
about here. Something you may not even know about. All right. We're up for episode 85. And for some reason, it feels like we should have a guest on the show. Yeah. You and I both kind of came to that conclusion of it's it's been a while since we've talked to anybody yeah. uh, other than you and I. Yeah. <laughs> I think next time... And Cindy, of course. Oh, yeah, she's always here. Uh, The other part of the show. Yes. We don't know who yet. Listeners, we're figuring that out. We've got a short list. We literally made this decision three hours ago. Yes. But we will certainly have a guest, and we'll figure out what we're talking about. Part of it will be Holy Havoc, Mm -hmm. because that is going to happen before the next episode. And I think, Brendan, we'll still plan on going in a couple weeks. Uh, Whatever, If Sunday still works for you, that's great. Today is kind of weird. We're, We're recording on Monday, which is unusual for us, but it just worked out for Brendan that way and whatever's easiest in terms of logistics for him. So, well, and obviously we have a guest to schedule. Around, yes, so. that's another issue. So, so that's what it looks like for the next episode. Obviously, it's going to be a while before we talk about Nurgle because that's not going to be till Christmas time. But there are plenty of other things happening and things we can talk about and discuss in the meantime. Yep. And as always, we will come up with something fun. We'll try. I think that's it. All ben, right. Thank you again. I'm glad you had a great time. And, uh, yeah, you too. Yeah, yes. it was. It's really fun to get out to these things and, and just enjoy yourself. So. I know you were missed at Dragonfall. I, I assume many people asked after me at RockCon. Many who it's, know you. Yeah, yes. just tons, tons of people. <laughs> well, and for those who asked of me, I, I really, really appreciate that. Thank you for thinking of me. And if there's any way I could have been, but the priority is definitely always going to be RockCon. So thank you for asking of me. I appreciate that. And otherwise, listeners, we are on our way out and we hope you have a, a great time until we talk to you again. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you next time around. This is the end.